All right. Uh, well, you want to do a show? Uh, yeah. Too late. I already hit the music. Cause I, I did. I was delayed on the last time I did this. It's good. I'm so good at this. I'm uh, driving my kids nuts right now because I keep playing Don't Stop Me Now from Queen every morning. Don't stop me now. And that sounds just like that, by the way. It was uh, actually was a perfect impression. Of can Freddie I just Mercury. record you doing that and play that for them? It's every already morning? been recorded. That's what. You, so, they, so what? To drive them completely insane? <laughs> Don't stop me now, Dad! Please, your friend's an idiot. If you're wondering if kids have limits, you know the joke is always the kids. They just they'll repeat the same damn thing for decades. Turns out they do. They also have limits. Maybe. And their limits usually come in the form of me. Yeah, sure. And what I want. Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Where, that's where that's it's, where they're calling it. Their quits. limits like, are your expectations. I did it. I actually put the song on this morning as I was leaving to taunt my son. So I did a little Alexa, you know. Alexa, play. Alexa, yeah. I Tanner's think. Nemesis music. Yeah, stop. Oh. There's Alexas all over this house. Yeah. I just realized they're just constant. I gave one of my parents, oh, my God. Oh, my God is right. Every time they call me, they're like, we were talking to the A word yesterday. I'm like, guys. If you're living your life in paranoia because you're afraid that... that, that, that then you're doing it right. You should be very afraid. <laughs> Eventually, robots are taking the fuck over. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. I'm Hal. Oh. I'm <laughs> John 9000. I'm John, I'm John 9000. <laughs> no, but they're, they're afraid that it's going to start doing whatever it is that they're asking. And I understand the paranoia, but you can't... You can't get to the point where, like, you're changing your lifestyle because of a little tiny box that's over in the corner, and you're afraid if I say the name, it's going to do something. And worst case scenario, it's going to play them Frank Sinatra unwantingly. I don't right. know what they're so worried about, you know? Well, I know some people think that it's listening to us, and quite frankly, it is. if that thing has been listening to me, oh, my God. It has I been. apologize for whatever, do um, apologize you know, to the robots. What, whatever, what is it now? What's, what, are the, what are the people... People that work for the government, the secret ones. Uh, men in black? Any of, yeah. The men in black. The, yeah, because sure. I'm an alien. Sure. Uh-oh. Build yeah. that wall. Build the wall. I, um, uh, I, um, I, I just recently sent away my old, I have these old rock and roll t-shirts that, I, that don't fit anymore and whatever. Why would you get, you're going to regret doing that? I sent them to a quilting place that makes them into a giant blanket. What are you, a grandma? And then sends it my back to My mom makes quilts. Dude. <laughs> I'm not making the fucking quilt, dude. Are you listening no, to me? No, you are. You're send, You're just sending it out to be made for you. Is it a quilt for you or for your baby? Are you it's a baby? For, it's for me, dude. Oh, okay. It's just a blanket. It's a way to keep the shirts without having to like actually keep them in a closet. Okay, I have two questions that I'm actually genuinely excited about. Do you think I'm not, but I'm, I am. One, what are the what are the bands that you sent away? Although, I mean, just the, I, I sent away 15 concert shirts that I had, so it's like Van Halen, Grateful Dead, Motorhead, uh, Motley Crue, um... Ministry, ministry. Uh, Is there both things? It's the logo, and then on the backside, are you keeping? No, the... you, it's you send one half of the T-shirt, so whatever half you want. So if you oh, want the no. logo or you want the tour dates, what did you do? I did. I switched it up. I did it both. Like there's a Van Halen shirt I have with the back is cooler because it's that's the one I'm going to use. You know. Okay. So it's, I just went with whatever side looked better. Can I be honest with you? Can they make it? Can they turn it into a fucking kick-ass jacket? Uh, a jumpsuit. I, I don't. I mean, they a only. Jumpsuit. This is just a quilt company. I guess you could eventually turn the quilt back into a kick-ass, a cape. I, you could, turn it put, into a I cape? could cut holes in it and make it a poncho. <laughs> I don't know why I would do that, though. That seems kind of <laughs> It'd be your counterintuitive. Thing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Rock but, and Roll Poncho. But we didn't even, I never even mentioned the company. Like, my, my wife asked me what, she goes, oh, what did you do? I go, oh, I cut the t-shirts up and I sent them away to this company that makes quilts. And she's like, oh, that's a great idea. That's perfect for you. And then 
she asked me what the name of the company was, and I said, I don't really know. I forgot because I, I had it on my phone. And then we never mentioned it. And then two day, like a day later, she starts getting all these ads for Repat, which is the company. That's the name of the company. Why did? Oh, because so you think that uh, we don't even have Alexa. We don't have Alexa. I'm talking. Our phones are listening. Like, you our, really think that's the case? Absolutely, dude. They've admitted it. How else are that? How, they've admitted how it. Who else, said that? Who admitted it? How else am I going? How else do I talk about Firestone tires? And then fucking two days later, I'm getting ads for Firestone tires on my phone. Did that happen already? Or you want to? I'm just saying that's now? gonna happen. It's it happens. That's what happens. You talk about something, your phones hear it. They send you an ad for it. They also like my new wait. So you're saying this thing is always on? The microphone yes. is always on. Yes. I don't know about that, John. I think you're. I think you're going deep. You're going deep. Okay. I think you're going what, naive. What 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 would be? What's the benefit of always listening? The benefit. Well, well it depends on you're, who you're talking to. For for so you're saying commercialism. Ad, you're saying it's advertisers. A, it's, yeah. It's so you're saying there's a secret society of advertisers. No, no, there would have to be right because. Is that really what you think I'm saying? There's a secret society of advertisers. Well, yeah. So how would they be able to do it legally? Because it's it's it would be illegal. So it would have to be secret, right? Right. All right, we got to bring in our guests because they're they're they they're chomping at the bit. To, no, I look. You say you think I'm being sarcastic. I'm actually asking you. Or are you saying they're paying Apple or they're paying AT and T to get the information? It's all would be illegal. 1984. It's illegal to surveil. Uh, first of all, you live in California. It's not illegal to surveil. I can videotape you and not tell you about it. Even on this thing, though. Show me the law. I don't, I don't have the laws with me right now. Oh, okay. I get it. And get but, I mean, it's not Vegas. You can, you're recorded everywhere you go. In society today, that's why there's, like, TV shows even about cops who find people on camera. Because if you go anywhere, street corners, businesses, you're being videotaped and recorded just about every step of the way. If you, don't, if you beat off in front of your computer without covering that camera lens, guess what? They're watching you beat off. Why? Now, exactly. I mean, my point would be why, but <laughs> but that's why I cover it with a piece of tape. And no, also, I, don't use my computer for porn. Well, but, you know where that came from, right? I think somebody saw a picture of uh, Steve Jobs with his computer, and he, there was a piece of tape over, over or yeah? something like that. And so people were like, huh. Well, there's a reason well, for that. Well, if he's doing that, then yeah. he clearly knows. All right, let's bring in our guests. Cool. Uh, Aaron Cater and Brian Burke, turn your microphones on if you haven't already. And say oh. hello to everybody. Our guests. Your hello. guests. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Well, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Check well, one, one. There you are. Two, yes, loud. That's full Sibilance. of sexiness Sibilance. right there. Sibilance. Sibilance. Hello, Mr. Huck. Hmm. Hey. John Huck. Hello. Brian Irwin. Yes. Um, Brian, Brian's the third Brian. Uh, of Brian the Brifecta. Brian Irwin, Brian Keith Etheridge. Etheridge. The Brifecta. I do want to say one thing the off the bat, because you talked about jerking off and people watching. No, I didn't. You. Oh, yeah. I did that not. was Huck. Huck, um, I like to think that there's hot chicks at the NSA watching. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah. that actually adds a little edge to Hey, if, that, if that's what gets your, kind of your, butter, your butter melted, then by all means. You so, know what I mean? Take that piece of tape off. Get funky in front of your computer. But this is this is the clarification clarification I want to get on everything you're talking about. It's not actually, even if it was, it's not actually people watching. It's That's, an algorithm. Yeah, it's a rhythm. It's a computer. It's storing okay. data. I'm it's sure all this, like right now, our podcast. Nobody's listening. <laughs> That's the one thing your phone turns off. For. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about even with my computer with with this with this on. It may be the the data may be. Being collected somewhere, the information right. may be going somewhere. Yes. Nobody's actually watching it. No, Here's, but well, there aren't that many every people company in the world. has a different sort of algorithm to remember stuff. So, like when you're watching Netflix, and it'll be like, oh, if you like that, yeah, you might that, like this. And they're always 
they're right. not always right. No, so it's weird. Sometimes it's weird. If, oh, if you liked uh, Rainbow Connection, the documentary yeah. on the Muppets, then maybe you'll like this Adolf Hitler kills himself yeah. in a bunker documentary. <laughs> yeah. like, and that's when you're like, I'm not really afraid of robots taking over if they can't even uh, predict what can't. I want to watch. <laughs> That's when you you're like, oh fuck the robots. They don't even know what TV I like. Yeah. But my theory is like, I get what you're saying. I know we're being watched. I know that. I'm never going to be paranoid enough on that part of it. I just think that you're not being watched the way you think you are. Meaning that unless you start doing something that puts yourself on a radar where real human beings have to start watching right, you, right? The computer, you are warm. not relevant to them except for advertising, except for manipulation. If yeah, you will. it's da- it's data collection. It's data. It's not yeah. a guy who's going. Oh, what's Brian saying? It's no. like it's not that. No, but I will tell you that's why I got off. So that's why I've pretty much taken a nap on social media that's because good. it was manipulating me and it was putting me in certain directions. Yeah. It was affecting my mental state, mm-hmm. and I got out of it because mm-hmm. I was like, "Fuck this shit." Mm-hmm. I, I picked up on the fact that it was sending me down rabbit holes because I showed a little bit of interest and it kept spiraling me in that direction yeah. slowly. I mean, it's yeah. slowly, and a little bit slowly, of interest and I was so like, I, no, I can't. I can't do that. Yeah, it was wrecking innocent. how I was seeing the real world and I didn't like it. And I've been a lot happier since I did that. There's a lot. I, I, there's a lot. You just said a, a lot right there. Yeah. If I'm more sure. people were to get offline, uh, or especially social media, it, that will affect elections. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that's what when you're talking about it was putting you in a bad mental state. That's what it does to people sometimes. If depending on how you're reading into it or what you're looking at, but if you're constantly feeding that part of your brain, it's like, no, look at this other political party is mm. doing this and they're doing that. And oh my god, this and look at this and and then you just go whips off people the into a frenzy. Deep end. Yeah. That's true. But there, there was a book. This is like after 9/11. I remember um, Jabrani gave me this book. He was like, oh, everybody just pass this book around. And it was full of like all the buzzwords that if you type them or say them online, like the, it'll it'll ring a bell Ding. somewhere where it's like, hey, they're talking about terrorism. They're talking about dropping something off. Like there were all these like buzzwords that package they had. delivery Jews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I mean I, that has existed for a long time. They have had to gotten much better at it. Yeah, they've 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 been working on that. They had that that technology in place before 9/11. Yeah. 9/11 was an excuse to implement it. Right. And now they're not taking it away. It's like the toll roads in Illinois. Yeah, and just and just so we're clear, Aaron is Palestinian, so there's there's but you've never really been Palestinian <laughs> or paranoid bit, for that matter. No. So you've never No, I'm not But you kind of joke about the fact that people unless you tell people, they're really not Oh yeah, if I don't mention that I'm Arab and stuff, people just like think I'm Jewish or whatever, right? They don't they don't notice I'm not ethnic looking. But I've always felt like if people are listening to me while I'm on the phone, like that's great cuz I I I want my voice to be heard. You, you are, know? you are, and you are, but you are political. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do have. You do have strong beliefs. I do, and I want people to know what I feel and think. So, yeah, I'm fine with people with the NSA and stuff listening to me. But, but you're an edu- You're what I've the comments you've made. They're not are, angry. They're you're very educated, educated comments. Yeah. You you basically just kind of fill in the blanks for some people and like explain things a little more. But like none of it's been like. And no. also, you've yeah, incorporated I try to, everyone your arm yourself. It's not nothing. No, it's like, yeah, everybody be, arm yourself. Yeah. Well, now we're on, and, and yeah. we're on. Ping, uh-huh. Ding 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 ping. <laughs> I like to think I'm responsible with with the way I'll talk about something that could be a sensitive issue for for people. But uh, but yeah, I'm not um, I'm not gonna arm myself. How many how many like redneck podcasts do you think are talking about arming yourselves Dude, all the time? I'm telling all you, but nobody. There, but they don't. There is a, like society now is living in this fear based world where the more people talk about how much they need to arm themselves against against what. I, I don't know. Like the only <laughs> thing I can see arming myself against is literally 
uh, the white rednecks yeah. who would go into a church and shoot it up. Like, and they're the, the ones who were like, well, you you know, you never know when the government's going to get tyrannical. And it's like, you guys just voted that in. Yeah, yeah. you're making that. You you voted in a guy who does not care about Well, they're voting against their own best interests, right? Which is a crazy thing that uneducated people will do on a regular basis. Uh, but they're it trying to fulfill me. a prophecy. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, well, we got to help Israel because, um, you know, the prophecy says if all the Jews are in one place when the second coming comes, then that it'll be easier to wipe them all yeah, out. Yeah, we can see where they're like, at. Keep I'll, an eye on them. For, for those of you who could not see, I like how you're just pointing at Brian pointing Burke at, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, the only, but when you're talking about Jewish Jew. people, you're yeah. just pointing. Brian, you're a Jew, right? Yeah, I'm the resident Jew here today. <laughs> and, and I do represent Jews a lot in this world, so no problem. Sure. Yeah. Bri- <laughs> Brian was just telling me... Did I, they, are they okay with that? You're cool taking the, the race. Yes. I think they are. Okay. Most Because they like a hip, cool dude representing them. Okay, yeah, that's right. It's all marketing. And that's Plus, as Cater knows, we're about to do the Jew-Palestinian fist bump. <laughs> We're working together now on, on the two mic solution yeah. because I'm a Jew that believes it's not okay what they're doing over there and they're they're marginalizing the Palestinians, they're not giving them any dignity. Um, so you know, we're we're gonna change that. So yeah, yeah. What is this two mic? That. What did you call it? The, two the two mic solution. You this know, is like a podcast, or this is an actual stage performance? Or well, it's we're all, gonna be we've both. gone on stage yeah. like you have. three times yeah. as a duo now. Really? Yeah. yeah, we've thrown some material together and like we're 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 funny, but we don't, our material's not there. It's kind of a lot of homoeroticism. Okay, well that's you know, probably where you're missing the point. I think on trying to get to <laughs> what you guys are. No, but to... we're trying to get Arabs and Jews to yeah. fuck a little and oh. grab ass a little oh. bit. You know. Okay, I thought you were like. Trying to get everyone to just hate gay people. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. a good. But in yeah, in the West Bank, not so not so many gay people out of the closet. Surprisingly, well, you know, <laughs> is that surprising or isn't it like punishable by death or yeah, something? Yeah, like that? exactly. It's still a, it's uh, still a stoning issue. <clears throat> Is it or is it? I don't know. Um, no. I don't know. I mean, Egypt has a, um, a bad record. They like jail people, but Ramallah is lawless. You know, I mean, they have a few more things going on now, but it's basically been a place where it's like there are. There's no government. There's no. I mean, they're not. They're under occupation. They don't have rules and laws and jails and courthouses. God, it sounds like I mean? a, it sounds no like Escape from L.A. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. or Escape from New York. Which one would be better, John? Which one do you think would be? Well, like? New York was the original. New York was the original, and like you said uh, on a on a different oh, podcast about how New York is like back in the seventies was like this just shit infested yeah. rape town. You're yeah, like, Ugh. it felt like that. Yeah, yeah. But well, I was going to ask about what made you guys want to go on stage together. You know what I mean? Because like you could easily write together and and yeah. sort of figure it out. But well, like, we had want... to be. Well, let me just say this, and you could. History is what made us do it, man. Because okay. there's nobody doing it, and we want to lead by example. Yeah, and the duo is not a very common thing right. on stage. Like very few people that I've seen can pull it off and do it it's where not I'm easy. not like bored in five seconds. Right. But like, but like, and then when you're talking about politics and everything, you got to really kind of you're gonna have to because idiots like me will be like, something shiny's yeah. over here. And then we found as soon as we go on stage, and he's like, you know, I'm a Jew, I'm a Palestinian. People immediately are like, what the. They've just never seen that. It's never happened before. Where's yeah. the first time anybody's ever done this? If you go on to search podcasts or go on to iTunes and search under podcasts for like Jew, Palestinian, Arab, Israeli, nothing. There's zero. So that either means we have to fill a void or maybe there's no market for it because nobody fucking wants to hear that well, shit. But look, <laughs> dude, look, we're not sure. Look how many podcasts there are out there. there there's, if I can, nobody there's wants to hear anything or exactly. they want to hear everything. Yeah, you so, think uh, they want to hear us? Yeah, well, nobody gives a right. shit. We're not yeah. Gonna, Basically, we tr- we were thinking there's no way we should be doing a podcast. It's right, like so we didn't want to do that. But then we realized if we do it in the way we're talking about, we don't care if anyone listens to it because we feel good about ourselves for doing it. And that's the key, I think, to doing podcasts. You have yes. to want to do it. You right? have to yeah. want to do it. You have to enjoy it. Those yeah. are the t- for two most important. But that's like 
to me, that's life. Like, mm. if you're in comedy, you better want to fucking do it. Like, Kyle Kinane, I think, is, is his... I don't yeah. want to keep quoting this, but, like, he said once in an interview that was like... He tells anybody who's interested in getting into comedy, if you would do comedy for free for the rest of your life, <laughs> then you should get into comedy. Yeah. If your answer is no fucking way, then do something yeah. else. You know yeah, what I mean? You gotta love it. You have to love it. And that's but that's with everything, dude. That's with watching a baseball game. That's yeah. with watching doing anything, watching a fucking car race, what doing anything. If you're not into it, it what is the point? Yeah, I mean, some some people have a personality that where they can trudge through and grind it out, but nah, that's not us. There's that's no, not there's how. There's no need for that shit because there's other shit you could get interested in and go do. It's true, but like Burke's right. We we were like, well, we don't want to do a podcast, and we would like to go on stage as a duo, but there's got to be something else. Like, what's the strongest thing we can do? And we realize like we have to do all of it. We have to do a podcast. We have to get on stage together. We have to write. Our material together. We got to get on. We got to just experiment and figure out how yeah. are we going to put a Jew and a Palestinian together and make it funny. Try because if we don't do it, it'll happen at some point. Somebody will do it in this business. Like when I started, you know, I was like one of three Arabs oh in God. the whole yeah. country that yeah. were doing stand-up comedy. Yep. Now there's like fifty. Or more. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was like one Arabs, of like not a thousand Palestine. Jews. <laughs> yeah. I was one of like eight yeah. million Jews doing stand-up comedy. How many Jews do you think have done stand-up comedy? Oh, man. It's it's a lot. Ten? A lot of dysfunction. <laughs> I bet you at least 30. I have a lot of pressure in this duo because I could easily be replaced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, there's yeah. The, hard press to find another Palestinian yeah, guy to come in. Palestinian like, comic. Could throw a, I could throw a rock out the window now and probably hit a Jewish person. You, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like I'll because the in, rock in the last decade... Though that comedy has had a stronger voice when it came to political movements, is that part of why you think that there's a better chance that it could be successful now? Like mm. back in the day, it was like SNL maybe have done would do some stuff, but then once the Daily Show kind of really turned, mm-hmm. if you look at if you look at the landscape now, uh-huh. yeah. most people learn about politics through exactly. bad shit comedy through comedy. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. but they're because they're but they're because they're actually being believe it or not educated while laughing. Does right. that make sense? Yes. Well, yeah I, yeah, I feel like we've always had that. We've always and that's kind of comedy I've always liked watching and um and and I know all of us here probably prefer to watch a comic who's like you know. Got something to say. Something yeah. to say yeah. I mean, I, there's room for everything, and I like wacky and slapdick stuff. It's yeah. not like you don't. Yeah. But like, you know, Carlin, right, or something. Bill Hicks, I always thought was like in, pretty enlightening. Yeah. Like the way he did his comedy. You know, when you Hicks see Hicks would com- be about how old now, you think. Like, uh, he, I think he'd be uh, in his, like, 60. That'd be at least 50s. in his 60s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think late 50s, He died at, I think he was 31 and 94 when he died. Oh, really? So yeah. Whatever that would be. So, yeah. yeah. I guess late 50s, right? Now. Wow. But he was, all, I mean, he he kind of, you know, did he, he had the dick jokes, and then he would also literally say things that you were like, oh, my God, and would just kind of enlighten you in the head and be like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. We are all a fucking vibration, and this is all fucking yeah. ridiculous. We realize that our goal is we're comedians first. We're not policy experts, so we're trying to just take the fact that we can make fun of us, like, for yeah. example, you know the mommy issues I have, the daddy issues Arabs have, the similarities, right. the differences. We're annoying. We love to negotiate, <laughs> right? But what, we're 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 like yeah. the two groups that are both stereotypes are are people that are known for making deals, but then we're the two groups that can't make a deal with each other. Exactly. You know, uh, or uh, uh, like you know, Jews invented comedy. That's probably why Arabs just hate it and don't go into it <laughs> because <laughs> it's like, oh, you're doing jokes. Yeah, Jews invented jokes. Fuck that. Um, and we, we, so we know, don't mistake our podcast for some boring NPR policy discussion. It's really not going right. to be like that. Yeah, yeah. We're we lay, don't want it to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, you want to be able to lay things out in a way that are, 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 you know, people can comprehend that are not, because I'm not a fucking 
I don't know shit. You yeah. know what I mean? So if I'm listening to your podcast, it can't be all policy. Or I'm going to go, I don't know. What's well, that's, happen, see, I'm not, not to get boring, but because you guys have no dog in this race with, like, Israelis and Palestinians and Jews and Arabs and Muslims and all this shit, like, what is your just general impression of when you hear that subject? Like, what's your knee-jerk well, reaction? We're, very, we're civil. Brian's from Wisconsin. I'm from Illinois. So these are, we understand. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I mean, I'm always, I'm always interested. Well, first of all, I'm interested, like, that you guys are going on stage and doing it. And then I'm wondering if, like, I, I feel like the podcast, even if you didn't have any listeners, would be a good way to hash out what you were going to do yeah, on stage. Yeah, it's an incubator. You can, yeah, it's an exactly. incubator. You can it run ideas over. back and forth, and then whatever funny or sticks out to you, that's you can right. listen and go up. And that's you know? our workout. Yeah. Um, but when I first when I first heard it, I, I, I honestly am like, I, I, I tend to be a little naive sometimes and think like, oh, we're all, we're all getting along again, right? Like, I mean, we're all kind of together, and then you see like one thing, like, oh, never mind, the nation still hates itself. And, yeah. And, and, and I go back and forth, so... Uh, I mean, my first impression would be like I, I would listen. I would be interested for you know a good chunk of time. But when when somebody says Israel, is your first reaction like okay? Jew. I don't know anything about it. I don't want to say it. Money cheap. Because I'm always con- I've always been curious about what is the um like the objective sort of general white Americans view of like is Israel a pain in the ass or is it like no we have to support Israel or do you just hate Muslims or I mean what is the general I'll answer, I'll answer from my standpoint growing up in Wisconsin all of it is just is just noise to us yeah, yeah. because at the I end agree. of the day you grow up and you're like why we're America man why are we constantly so worried about the Middle East why don't yeah. we just get out like that's the mentality you have mm-hmm. of like why so much of our politics and why is so much of our interests lie in the Middle East? Like, why mm-hmm. do we care so much? Mm-hmm. What and are we then getting all out of a sudden, And then all of a sudden, in the mid to late 70s, boom, terrorism hits. Yep. And that's how a lot of people learned about, learned the, Middle about the Middle East. And they mm-hmm. go, you know what? These people are nothing but problems. And mm-hmm. then you constantly hear about how Israel was formed and like how it's created conflict for all these things. And, and, and people start going... And the news... If you're just talking about it on the surface, mm-hmm. the attitude is like, it just seems like everybody is just, it's like a self-interest kind of world over there that is not really, that inf- wants to infiltrate us, but is not really interested in what we have to offer. It's just, we're right. just, we, it's, it's a money chain, mm-hmm. right? It's money and power. That's, that's what everybody thinks. And then and at some point you're like, we got enough of those capitalism problems over here in the United right. States. And I think that that's why you hit a wall when people are like in the Midwest, yeah. like, I don't want to hear about your stuff, man. I well, got enough of my thing. own problems. I on feel the farm, like the Middle you know? East uh, as a region is way complicated. But when you're specifically talking about Israel, you're saying, like, okay, I'm going to have more sympathy for Jews because I understand that narrative and everything Jewish people have been through and the Holocaust. And then yeah. they, you get this country Do and you, you form it. Think it really happened? Yes. <laughs> but you know what? When you you want to talk about the Midwest? What if again? I was like, nah? <laughs> you want to talk like, about the Midwest? Hmm. Dude. Dubious. People celebrating Hanukkah. That was a unicorn in my area. That's yeah. that was oh, not. No Jews where you grew up. You don't have a Christmas there, tree. There, there were some. Freak? Like yeah. it was. Did not... you have Jews growing up, like nah, in high school man. and we stuff? Had, no. I'm sure there was some, but they weren't. They weren't. Yeah. You know, again, out here, it's way more celebrated and open to where, and, then, and I'm sure it is now. More you know, we're a little so more global now. now. The but I'm talking yeah. about when I was growing up as a kid. 
Like you'd find, you'd be like, oh yeah, some of those people are over there are Jewish. You're like, oh, what is but it? But you didn't know anything about that? it. And then they would start talking about it. Be like, well, did you, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the word Christmas. Because Burke was saying so. he went to a high school where it was predominantly public Jewish. High school, all yeah, public where? high school in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Interesting community called Beechwood, and they have all the Jewish holidays off. I believe it's the only um, high school in the country that takes Jewish holidays off public. And but there, but yeah. they, there are pockets, I believe, in yeah. every city where people you learn that they migrate. They all like, hey, come over here. We'll all, we'll start our yeah. own community over. Which is also kind of cool about America that you can do that. Glendale. Like, I, I always drive, exactly. And it drives me nuts when people get upset that people choose to do that. I'm like, who yeah. cares? Right. Well, that's the a, that's a beauty of it. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you want to be around people that celebrate what you celebrate? Yeah, but don't get mad at the Amish. <laughs> we, we don't have time. They all huddle together. What are they but doing really, over there? I mean, we're trying to uncover some Build. universal truths. Like, who smells worse? Like, Arabs after like you know eating all that spicy stuff and yeah. dumbing them, praying dumbing five them times themselves a day. up with cologne, going off to the club and or like Orthodox Jews on a subway wearing you know all their heavy stuff with all you know I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But so you'd the still, BO. So the religion so, is causing yeah. BO. So who would you rather go down on, like the Hasidic Jew with a lot of layers on the subway, <laughs> oh. or like the guy who just got the Pakistani who just got done with Hajj? Probably the Hasidic Jew because he's probably related to somebody like in the entertainment industry. Right, right. <laughs> Be able so to do I've something for you. This kid's driven over here. Yeah, yeah. He's driven. I don't. Yeah, he might be able put to it do in your something. mouth. Do it with purpose. Yes, at least the hope that something may come of it. Not oh, something will. Figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, something will come of it if you do it right. <laughs> You're right, but if you, yeah, if you, if you, if you go down on like a Muslim guy. Is it chances that he helps you in this business are zero? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he might, yeah. And, and the other thing, exactly, we, we know that, like, we both dated, like, I've dated a Palestinian woman. He's dated a lot more Jews, because this guy, I mean, you guys know, I mean, people that know what Cater looks like, you can Google him. I mean, the guy just gets <laughs> up and chicks want to talk to him. I mean, it's not like not us. anymore. Erwin, you're kind of a good-looking guy. Huck, you're, you're a character-type guy. Yeah, there we go. That's, could, that's how the industry Huck's describes ugly people. You're more of a character actor, not going to be a leading man. You know what's funny about Huck? I feel like I see you every... Like, if I go out, I don't go out as much as I used to, but I feel like I used to just always see you. Like, I'd be in a Dodgers. Dude, there's Huck. <laughs> Yo, let's go I'm, to this pizza I'm place. Easy to spot. Here. I'm easy to spot. I'm not like Bigfoot. I can't really hide out and not be seen. <laughs> you're always where I am for some reason. I always You like to do you. fun shit. Yeah, yes. that's why you, like you like baseball, baseball games. Pizza. You like so. Huck, yeah, you, you're married. I am, and you have how many kids? Zero. Zero. Good oh, for I you. You said he was gonna. Have, you were joking about. Yeah, him. he was joking. You're okay. not having kids, or you didn't plan it, or what? We're not planning on it. Good no. for you, man. Yeah. And you got not, two the boys. World doesn't, not everybody has to have kids. That's one thing. And once you have kids, and you guys all have kids over there, you know, but, not yeah. everybody has to have it. And the even world. If doesn't... you have them, you realize like you don't. Not everyone should have them. Yep. I tell my friends, dude, I'm not sure about this for you. Like, yeah. It's a lot of work, yep. and you wish you could just snap your fingers and have them go away and yep. not deal with them. You yeah, can. there's not a good argument to convince somebody to, to have kids. Yeah. You know. There is if it's a hot chick. And you're trying to and have sex with to, her? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Look, okay. you, we oh. should I reproduce. I thought you meant to make the world prettier. Oh. Have pretty oh. babies. I was like, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't hey, mess up her looks looking. by having kids. Yeah. You know. Uh, but you got the two boys. I have two boys. Uh, yeah. Burke's got a five-and-a-half-year-old girl. I got three and a half year old girl, and my wife's due it in June. Yeah, wow, boy. ready to number go. two. There yeah, he is. The second. There he is showing so, up. He's showing up to the party again. So I'm not. Yeah. I'm, Are you done after that? 
Are you getting yeah. a snippies? You gonna get a snippies? To be no, I maybe I will. Yeah, my wife was like, "Should I get my tubes tied when I do it?" I was like, "No, don't do that." Like, yeah, we that, don't you're, know. You're mean if you do that. That's, yeah, that's an evasive surgery. Are you, are you getting snippies? My wife wanted me to, but then she did some research and discovered some horror stories. So now she doesn't want me to. Ooh, the botch. Well, that's oh, usually really? the reverse. The Normally, you're the one submitting the horror stories. Yeah, I don't even know how they do it, but yeah, it's I a do. quick surgery. I don't I mean, want to do in it. In and out. Brian has it. You, you got you a vasectomy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it yeah. mess you up Brian at all? directed a whole movie about no. it. Oh, you no, did? I didn't direct it. I didn't oh, he wrote a whole movie about it. Were you torn about doing it? Yes. Well, first, because of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of all the horror stories. Yeah. What? Because of all the horror stories, you worry about it. And look, dudes, don't horror want... stories? Nobody wants any sharp objects near their penis. Nothing, no yeah. guy wants that. Women, see, the thing is, women, you learn very quickly. Women have a completely different perspective. I mean, if you think about it, they've been poked and prodded and abused down there their yeah. whole entire lives. Yeah. We're not. Right. So we don't want. We're very like freaked out by having our our, our penises just like you know molested at all, right? right? We don't. You know, it's like you know. You remember the first time you go get a physical and, and they yeah. they go down there do the turn and cough. Even that freaks out dudes, mm-hmm. and they're not even doing anything. It's just like right. we're so freaked out about yeah the being touched. Now yeah. imagine somebody going, and I'm gonna take this sharp object and put it inside. And I'm, you. I'm gonna put it inside. And I'm gonna start cutting some things apart. right on your taint or somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. But they just it's they 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 literally two little incisions pull yeah. it up. They snip it, it real and quick. then cauterize it and put it back. You're done in 20 minutes. How do they minutes. reverse it, though? Huh? Because they can... It gets, re- it's harder and harder now. There was the, really? two, the old way was... Uh, was uh, with The problem a lot of them had back in the day... Back. They would pull it out, cut it, just throw them back in there. Oh. And funny the thing about body the body... heals The body finds a way to fix things. Uh. And that's why guys, they were getting... Now they cauterize them and they move so they don't... I they, can't imagine going through that procedure and then having, eventually having it. sex with my wife and then getting her pregnant and be like, yeah. what did I get How my balls cut for <laughs> Yeah, if we're just going to have a kid anyway? What? Yeah. But I mean, you heal after like a day. You're just sore no. for like a day. No. Right? Oh, oh, I don't know. No, who, no. Is this, who is this guy? Yeah, what are you, <laughs> Superman? What is he talking well, about? Well, I had a buddy who did it. I thought he kind of limped out of the place after a yeah. couple hours oh, of doing out. it. Oh, that part is true. And then he had a little trouble sitting for like couple of days maybe that was about it okay right? you've just added that's it that's you've added a day, couple of days. Two days well then they tell you about the beating off and when you can have sex yeah, that's oh, crazy. Is that a oh my god How long? yeah it's it's a process because i think 20 you have to you have to yeah about 26 27 days? ejaculations what to clean it you have to clean it you have to clean it they out they tell like you a, to to jerk it like the next day yeah, you you just assume later? that like clip done right and you're like okay no, you got heal. stuff in the chamber yeah oh. you still got well, jizz in the chamber so they want to guarantee that you're clean. Do you and have then to you go have to the clinic for yeah, that? Yeah, you have or do to it at home. It. No, you do it at home and you bring it. They give you. They send you home. Oh, serious? Well, or you just drive there, do it in your car, and bring it in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could do it that way. <laughs> Whatever you need to do. They should have. A they whole... just don't have a room for you inside. I'm sure they do yeah, because they if, if fertility clinics obviously have a room where you can do that stuff. But here, no, they're like, get out of here. Wow. I bet those rooms are so you. much. They don't want you doing that stuff at their. Burke, are you ever? Would you ever do that? Maybe I mean I it's don't. He's like beat off into easy. a cup I all the time. More, I but have to populate the world, man. Oh, okay, if you've got a job to do, then Spread go ahead. Spread your seed. Yeah, I don't want to get in the way of you doing your job. Right. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm not committing to it. Okay. Yet. You're a regular no. Johnny we are Apple Jizz. Johnny Apple Jizz. <laughs> <laughs> we are trying to plant our seeds. We're trying to spread peace and and uh, you know uh, bring people together. So. You know, maybe we should just keep it. So okay, so neither one of you could be cut, is what you're saying, right? Tony Randall was having kids way into his 80s. right? He was, yeah. yeah. Tony, yeah. Tony, Tony so, so Randall. Randall. Tony Randall. I haven't heard. Yeah, Tony <laughs> yeah, Randall. Sorry, sorry, sorry if my Tony Randall <laughs> reference, everybody. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Quinn had a kid when he was 81. <laughs> I have a question, Hawk, for you. Uh, not to get too personal, um, but what is your source of birth control? You and the wife. Um, mm. Currently, she's on the pill. Okay. okay. Yeah. She doesn't mind the pill. 
Well, um, all women mind the pill, I think. They yeah, hate it. It's a little annoying. You know, It's changing um, their we, body. My we wife also, doesn't want to go back on birth control. We also do the pull-out method. That's what I do. You, do you guys do the app thing? My wife has this app, and it tells you, like... When you're like, ovulating. You're, you're, yeah, oh, shit, no. Thing. Wait, so you're trying to have another kid right now? Or? No, no, no. It's oh. the reverse. You try yeah, not you know to when, have sex when, when she's ovulating. Yeah. Wait, you're going to trust an app? Well, um, well, if it's a couple days before I, her period, it's I easier would. than the moon cycle. And I don't, I, don't, I still, pull, you still do the thing. I don't, you know, I do what Huck does. Yeah, Huck and I are very similar in the bedroom. I can tell. I just met him. <laughs> <laughs> we got similar. Are moves. you a good talker, dirty talker, <laughs> dirty talk, dirty talker? Uh, God, I'm gonna do some laundry. Uh, <laughs> nah, I'm not no. really a good dirty talker. I mean. Is it? Do you think it's good to talk, or is it weird to be completely silent? It's weird to be completely silent. Sometimes that's it is awkward. I think if you yeah. say like, "Don't say anything," or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and then it's horny. Yeah. That's weird. Every single if time. Yeah. If under the guy, if it's under the guise of a threat, then yeah, yeah no. <laughs> when my wife threatens me to be quiet, then I think it's funny. Yeah, it's weird if you're hot. forcing them to be silent, but if yeah, it's... I've never been with a, a woman that like liked it rough or wanted to be choked or any and that's not me i know a lot of people especially i think there's a correlation between comics and guys that like to choke women i don't know why huh. maybe because you get the same high as like a standing o when you're choking a chick um i don't, I don't know, know. Just, don't know okay. about that. and i don't mean that by the way i'm not indo- you're looking at me like you guys are horrified I'm no, not i wanted to see where you were that. going with this yeah standing i'm not o. listen i'm not gonna get into something I'm i saying, think you're criticizing comics yeah i'm criticizing comics comics yeah. need to lighten up they need to work on more humor and less Aggressive. Our, okay, so yeah. so Fair. let's. Just, I, I want as long as we're talking about this. Yeah. Let, let's jump in. You didn't do. I I, I lost you for a while. Bert and you got lost. lost. So, you but here's the, so uh, there's a couple things. Yeah. Last time you and I saw each other. Now I'll bookend this, and then we'll what get to your story. What year was that? Roughly like 08 or 09? You, you and I. You had just finished doing being Ron Jeremy. Yeah. And you. I think I went to, and I and you were. It was uh, you and I went to. We watched. I remember watching my old apartment over in Culver City. Uh huh. And then I think the last time I ever saw you was um, before I ran into you randomly. But the last time we ever like hung out, I think you and I went to. Um, the Santa Monica International Film Festival or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they, you and I went yeah. there. We saw, you took me to some movies, some friends of yours made a movie, right? Uh-huh. And then you just disappeared. And what's, what's and I'll, I'll bring this back around because I want you to he talk about this. He doesn't remember any of this. It's okay, but we'll bring it back around. So, um, unfortunately, Brody passes away. John yeah. and Aaron and Keen and Etheridge and I were, were getting together and I brought you up. You remember us talking about you? Yeah. And I was like, you know, yeah. Burke is just... And I, I think At I said Carnies. the same thing. He just disappeared. Like he just, I just, I go, you know, it's just kind of bum, bum that he's not, he's not around. And, and it's just so funny. Then out of nowhere, boom, you yep. came back into the universe. Yeah, it's like you willed it. I, we were well, at Carney's, right? Yeah, that was that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were having hamburgers and stuff, and this was, um, and then was that? It was the first memorial. So you the went Tripoli to you went to show the in the main room thing that one. night. Yeah, that was the. It uh, wasn't the actual memorial. It no, no, it was, it was it was the was, first night. Yeah. Everybody right. was so just kind of getting together. He was, Burke was thinking about coming up, but um, I we'd already been talking, so I don't remember if I mentioned it in our conversation because you had brought it up, and then I was like, yeah, 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 I connected with him, and and he wants to come out, and and um, that was like a reunion. Both of those nights, it was like, yeah, I you guys ever been to your high school reunions and yeah. stuff? It was like that. So many old faces you hadn't seen in so long. Yeah, Brody brought a lot of people together. It for was those. it's it's one of those things when it's so tragic, and then when when anything like that happens, and you go out because like, I I find that going to the comedy store, going to the improv on nights when things like that happen are like mm. they, they make me feel better, and yeah. they, you know what I mean. You see, you get to see other people who understand what's yeah. going on, you know, and and just you get to see so many people you haven't seen in so long because as you get more. 
look, we we do this. We start comedy because we love telling jokes on stage, and eventually, if you get any good at it, you go on the road. And you're not with your friends on the road. You're not. You're by yourself for the most part. So you miss. And then when you're in town, you got to be with your wife or your kids or your, uh, your the friends you don't have that are in the have that aren't in the entertainment industry. Or yeah. And then you kind of make time for those people, so you don't see those. It's other the only faces time where you feel like you're. A part of a community, yes. and you actually feel it, and it's tangible. Like-minded people that, even though you guys aren't might necessarily all like-minded, you understand mm-hmm. what you've all been through. Well, and it came up because you know I think that the the trigger for our conversation was obviously you were the first person that put me on stage here in Los Angeles at Bar Azur, oh. and you're you were really supportive, and and you were mm-hmm. one of the first comedians that really supported me when I got out here. So it's like for so me, all, all of your a sudden, fault, guys, yeah. this is all your fault. No, we but it's just them. all of a sudden, like all these memories start coming back yeah. of like you know. Yeah. The, I, I don't want to call them the golden years, but like ah, when you first fun, start comedy, struggle. when you first start, you remember those. Like th- years. those are the, those are your people. Yeah, no that's matter how, no matter where we all go. Yeah, that's your class. That's your class so anyway, exactly. that so so there we are. So Burke you know? was always in our class. He he might have started you know a year before me or like a different yeah, 90, time. February ninety eight when I you started. Were, you were ninety eight. I did okay. comedy till mid two thousand six, but. Uh, you know, I didn't. It's weird when I left comedy. Um, I was running a business related to domain name investing, and I had got met my wife. I was just like, it, I just, just it was going to get married, and I think part of it was I was making money sitting at home getting laid. And I'm thinking, why should I get out of the house and <laughs> like, go try to make people laugh? Such a man decision, but yeah, yeah. So. And then, well, but over, also it says how you feel about comedy. You're just like weren't that into it. Well, yeah. you know what? It's like I always thought I wasn't. I did acting. But I wasn't an actor. I don't consider myself an actor. I didn't want to be an actor. He I booked always the Gilmore Girls myself. and commercials. Yeah, and I did some shows. I was a recurring character on Gilmore Girls, a lot of commercials and stuff. But the thing was, like, when I left comedy, I still followed it. I still liked it. Yeah. I never thought I, I never thought I would get back on stage. And the weird thing was then, all of a sudden, but plus it kind of corresponds to what happened to my business. My business tanked because of a Google algorithm change to the domains I was doing, and it just went in the tank and just lost a lot of money and was like, shit, I got to do something else. And now, now I'm, I'm doing a lot of things right now. I still run my business. Now I'm doing comedy. Um, but I didn't think it was possible to come back to comedy, probably. What I realized now after a little bit longer since Brody passed was when I went back to the memorial and saw a lot of familiar faces, and they were really encouraging, but the biggest thing was Brody. I have a lot of mental illness in my family, a, a long history of that. So when he passed away and the reasons because of it, it was this thing where I said, you know what, I want to help take that stigma away from ment- of mental illness. So Brody and I start met in 99 he probably hosted most of the shows i did when i was mm-hmm. doing luna park amagi with you remember rich williams yep. we did amagi yeah. um chelsea handler hosted a lot of those shows too mm-hmm. and brody like i always just you know we all know brody the how unique and special he was and in, in a real comics comic to the millionth degree his whole life was dedicated to it mm-hmm. And so when I got back and saw that and realized it, I thought to myself, wow, it was just this incredible high thinking. It's not too late to make an impact because I really don't have any useful skills in the real world. I'm useless, honestly, man. <laughs> I, I can barely function. So if I can't get on stage and at least make people laugh, at least that's mm-hmm. something. Like I look at my life and I say, you know what? 
like somehow I'm lucky enough that this came back around and now I'm just like feel it's so precious and I don't want to let it go. The funny thing, this is the first podcast I've ever been on. Oh really? You know? Yeah. Jesus, you really are out of the business. Yeah, by now you should have bought ten thousand podcasts. When he left the internet, Facebook didn't exist. I didn't have any social media accounts. I left in two thousand six, didn't look back, just came back a couple months ago, set up Twitter with zero followers, set up Instagram. I was so excited when you never, popped up on never Twitter. Never had <laughs> never been on a podcast until now. So it's almost like weird, dude. It's like you're starting. Yeah, time travel. I'm kind of thinking of Encino Man for some weird reason. (laughs) Well, because you because you've been here before. You've been you've been here before. Now things are. It's like you have. You've been unfrozen, and now you're like, okay, now go back out on stage. You're like, wait, what the fuck is Twitter? What do you mean I gotta have followers? What do you mean I gotta make a joke every day? What the fuck? I just like to tell jokes on stage. No, 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 no. That's not all comedy is anymore. It's (laughs) way different. (laughs) <laughs> and that's true. I mean, that's like, you know, going to a coma in the 50s and wake up in 2019 and you're like, what in the fuck? I wish I could do the opposite. Weird, I wish I could go the, frozen and wake up in, in like the, past? The, the 50s or 60s and be like, it, it was, hey, you do one show on TV and you're famous. Yeah, exactly. I did but, The Tonight Show once. Now yeah, I have a national headliner. So back, and he doesn't, I don't think you remember this conversation probably in 2000. We talked about getting on stage together as an act and we talked about like kind of just getting into it and really doing it and now talked or were you guys like two two friends joking around about what the act would be or were you seriously like no 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 we weren't serious to the point where we we said we should do it I remember this but he for some reason and maybe this is all I'm not a big um, I don't know I believe in the universe I believe in energy but I'm not like and I'm somewhat spiritual I don't like when people say everything happens for a reason. To me, that's kind of annoying and a cop-out when you say that. But in the case of Cater, what I'm getting to is I actually talked to Cater. The only comic I kind of stayed in touch with, except for Rich Williams, I talked to him like five or six years after I left because there was a lot of stuff going on that was disturbing over there. In, yeah, in he, the would, he would message, and then we would, we would text and stuff about like Israel-Palestine stuff and just kind of rap about it. And, and he was always, you know, basically like, uh, you know, he supports like, you know, Jews and Israel and, and the Jewish state, but it was like, you know, there's like this shame about what they do and how how it exists. Not whether it should exist, but the way it exists is just, you know, unfair to the existing group that was there. So we would talk anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. That's what happened. And now we're back and we talked, we went over, we met with, we were at Etheridge's recently and Here's the, what I think is cool. You guys will appreciate this. Like, I have tons of respect for all these comics that like have stayed in the game and have been there for this many years. Like, and I and I look at it and but I have this weird like kind of fresh perspective than you do. Mm-hmm. So it's like this combination of somebody who hasn't been as like jaded and torn down. He's got both. me a little excited. And yeah, <laughs> and now I'm like, dude, we can we can do this, man. We, we yeah, we we're gonna make it happen. His so fresh you, eyes. Kind of, you kind of yeah, as I say, you freshened it yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. It's like a new thing. And and now when I go up, just the fact that you can like you, I used to hate watching bad comedy. Now I can tolerate it. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. That's well, tough. you just become more. I think I think what happens is you should become more. Um, accepting, like, okay, that's what that person does. Yeah. yeah. And you understand that you might not find it funny, and also you don't have to look or listen to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, you understand at a certain age that you can walk away from things. Like, this is your rebirth, basically. Exactly. It's like, you know, you live this long, and I'm not saying we're like ancient, but like, you get your, your second life is at this point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we now. We've made all our really stupid mistakes, and we've mm-hmm. kind of lived those. Those jokes have come out, and those stories have come out, and that's how we lived, and we've ideally learned from all that shit. Yeah, I and mean, then as you move forward, you're 
this person who has a little bit more understanding of the world and how other people exist and why why we're really all one and this division of like you're Jewish, you're Palestinian, mm-hmm. like that is such a surface a surface yes. difference that people are trying to make seem like it's this deep driven fucking right. thing that goes to the earth's core and you're like yeah but that's a person and that's a person and in the scheme of things cells and energy and the way they're made up they're, they're fucking the same there's yeah. no, not too much difference you know lungs heart whatever you well know? that's the comics job is to take something complicated make it seem simple or just uncomplicate things um or what we do is we'll take something simple and make it complicated yeah, right yeah. so so with Burke and I, you know, Israel, Palestine uh, uh, is complicated. It just is. But from my people's side, we're always, it's not complicated, you know? You're either for equality and freedom and human rights or not. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's true. But um, there are compli- But Burke and I are trying to take the complications, simplify them, and joke about it. There's so many ironies there, you know, with the two groups. Like, we're all, we are related. Palestinians are Semitic. We're all sons of Abraham. We're all kind of brown and, 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 and curly-haired and, and big-nosed, you know, um, annoying, pushy deal-makers. You know, it's not yeah. like we're that different. We're all circumcised, don't eat pork. Um, uh, He's what else? looking at me to come up with stuff. I have a cousin whose family, his mother's maiden name is Isa, Jesus. Jesus in Arabic is Isa. And I go, your mom's family's from the Isas? And he goes, yeah. And I go, well, how the hell does a Muslim family get a name like Jesus? And he's like, a long time ago. I'm in like Jerusalem visiting my family, talking to this cousin. He goes, a long time ago, there was someone in the family named Isa. And I go, you're from Jerusalem, and you had somebody in the family named Jesus a long time ago. And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, what? But what, was, it was it Jesus? Jesus? <laughs> and like, you know, and he's like, no, we probably, you know, back in the day were Jewish and converted to Christianity and then converted to Islam. And I'm like, yes, that is actually part of the things that people don't understand about Palestinians. We are Semitic people. We probably were Judea, Samaria, back King David. I mean, we probably are well, connected to all that. Your um, dad's history goes My back dad does DNA yeah. on the 23andMe, and he, he fits in the exact category of the Kohan uh, DNA g- genetic group of the Kohan tribe is like that one of the biggest like... Jewish um, groups. Okay. It's the old... I believe the like Kohanim the, are the 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 highest yeah. level of Jew, like that. That's, royalty, almost. The, yeah, royalty. It's like all the famous Jews, uh, the most successful, the ones who had oh, all the, the power. Tr- they're the Trumps of. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. well, there, there is a Trump it, running Israel right now, essentially. Yeah, Netanyahu. So a, I mean, they have the same. They're they're lockstep over there. Right. I, mean, I don't get into too much politics because I'm a needy Jew and I want everyone to love me. <laughs> so that's part of the problem. In fact, I would do. I would. I'm looking to perform in front of skinheads. Oh um, yeah, because it's something I think. Good luck with that. We're yeah. very opposite, um, in in so many ways, and we, but we have good chemistry, and he keeps it funny, and I'm uh, I I he stops me from getting too serious you because get, yeah, you get a little passionate yeah. there. Well, Palestinians have to like think explain so much and stuff to uh, because everybody knows the story of the. Yep. This is what Palestinians are up against: the greatest narrative in the history of peoples. Yeah, this is essentially Babylon. Hanuk- this that yeah, the Holocaust. Your Hanukkah, your Christmas. At this, I point. think they would pass right. on the Holocaust if they didn't have to tell the story. I think they'd. Prefer 
prefer that didn't happen. Yeah, I, well, yeah. But you're like, great story, you guys. Because if the Holocaust didn't happen, what are the odds that Israel gets formed? That's well, the this is this is a question that I um that people turn that into a comedy act or two. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Was, yeah. Holocaust, what are you guys you know, up? You talking about being up again? I've done so many. I've probably done in my career a half hour of, of Holocaust material. That's Remember, true. I talked but about how I would steal my buddy's act if 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 I could live and he'd be dead. If like I was it Shlomo Nazis. Yeah. Trying to remember. Yeah. What was the name yeah, of your character? Who was, was, was the guy you stuck? Look at that. Like, uh, thank you. Yeah. I, I, have a, I actually remember something. Yeah, you something. called him Shlomo. You, you called him Shlomo. Right. His buddy, your I'm buddy kind of, Shlomo. I'm kind of attracted to material. But it's weird, dude. The climate today, I don't want to get off topic, but it's so much different than back sure. in the day when everyone Absolutely. had a hacky rape joke. Oh, hacky rape jokes, dead hooker in the those. trunk joke. We don't really need those anymore. Yeah, yeah you know, that's, that's Certain part, things of, can be put to part rest. of the evolution. When people get so upset about like uh, the way comedy is now or the what the overly PC, PC crowds have done to comedy... And, and part of me is like, well, this is the evolution of society yes. at this point. And also, like, now I have to evolve my joke writing. So yes. what's what's wrong? It just pushes me as an artist to be Thank funny you. in a way that I didn't know I could be before or that I can relate to things that I might not have found humor in before. Hasn't that been my argument with this? I'm like, if it's easier to be edgy, how's that bad for us? It's easier to cross the line if the line has moved up. I know it's not great creatively if people are saying you can't say this, can't say that. Well, like, that yeah, to me, to me again, I think that's ridiculous to tell a comic what they can and can't say. No. But also yeah. understand where you're at in society, and you can't just go on there and do your uncle jokes from the fifties. You know what's the difference between a black guy and a white guy? You, right. that just, it, hey, rape's a strong word. I call it dedication. So, like, you can't so, do those jokes anymore. So going back to what you're saying, Brian. So Shouldn't how do. how do you <laughs> how, no, going back to how do you talk act. about that? No, no, no. Oh, how but, do I? But talk you about guys it? are talk, now what you. Yeah. The stuff you guys are talking about, yeah. there's some heavy shit in there. Yeah. And you just made a reference of, yeah. like, if the Holocaust doesn't yeah. happen... Well, exactly. I, I, does, Israel would no, exist. That doesn't have to be funny. No, though. there was early Zionists that were trying to build the country from 1880 through World War One. It was the Holocaust that just made, made it urgent and made it really like, um, hey, this has to happen now. And the people that were survivors were like, you know, it was just, there was, it was more, um, there was more, uh, what, do you, what do you say? Impetus or yeah, more they, of a reason? There was, more? there was just more motivation yeah. because before all these Jews were living in Poland and Germany and they're like, why would we leave here to go there? That's why I'm not going to do that. And so after the Holocaust, there was like, we don't have a place to go. We have, to. so there was, but if there wasn't a Holocaust, the Holocaust just would have happened later, I guess. I don't know. So you think, you I'm think, just joking. I'm I was just saying. I was just saying. You, I was just saying yeah. you think there, if the Holocaust see, never happened, you know what? It would just happened a few. No, but to be but, honest, but do you guys like, think wait, about this stuff. Going yes. back to what you're talking about. So, so uh, in, in your world, yes. There and and since you've been gone, and now you come back 13 years later, are you saying? That like what he's talking about, the, the line has been moved, and now it's. I talk about on stage recently about that because I'm like, you know what? Yeah, there's a reality to the what we're doing in this world, but we need to be as comics able to play in the gray areas and even mm -hmm. tiptoe over the line to know where the line is, and that's okay as long as we're doing it in a way that is more about learning and having a satire look, listening to society like what like you could do a bit about what qualifies today as a reasonable rape joke on stage mm -hmm. if you wanted to and why can't you talk about that that's not you don't have to. I'm not saying I want to or I need to. I'm just saying you can't just. But if you're doing it just to do it, that's, that's we've always different. talked about it. That's then you're just different. being a douchebag. Yeah. Well, you're, if you're doing you're it not. just to do it, but if you're doing it to make a point that hey, let's it's going way too far over to one side now. And as comics, 
we need to be able to cross the line. Now, mm-hmm. another thing is I see way too many comics. Now it's kind of going to get, I feel, and it's probably already become a little bit more fashionable to cross the line and be a shot comic all of a sudden because the backlash is starting to happen from this mm-hmm. whole. Don't you guys feel a sense of like I don't know, but the backlash happening sort of the backlash is happening, but I, I I maybe I'm not hanging around enough. Backlash of what? Well, about the, the like PC stuff. PC, you where can't comics talk are going to be like, hey, I'm going to go out and try to be shocking because I'm mad that like it, we're being censored in the PC culture. So, and but they're, they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. You're no. saying no, but the comics are doing it. For I don't think that exists. There are some comics I think that I don't. I, I don't, don't think know. I mean, look, I'm not out on the uh, out every night like we used to be, but I feel like nobody's really ch- uh, had to make that big of an adjustment. I mean, shock comics don't last that long anyway. You do have to have some depth to your material yeah. anyway. So if you're just a shock comic, there's only so much yeah, but mileage. What about- Guy like a Jesselnick, is he a shot comic? I don't no, know. He's, he's a burn comic or I, whatever. I fucking think Jesselnick he's is funny. hilarious. Yeah, he's, he's hilarious. hilarious. That's what I'm saying. And but he can take dark subject matter, yeah. and make light of it, and it it yeah. goes with his stage personality. Exactly. If that makes sense. Like if you or I or anybody in this room tried to deliver Jesselnick jokes on stage, maybe people would work. be like, yeah. "You guys are pieces of shit. Yeah. Like mm. you're awful. You talk about awful things. You're awful people." He does it, and you're like, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Once so there's always a, fan a way. Base too. The other thing is the comics I'm talking about are like comics that don't really have a career or known. Oh, okay. well, so right. that's the difference. When you see working comics, you know, I think they're the ones who are more cognizant yeah. of what they're allowed, what they should. But say. also, when you say sh- like, I don't look at Justin like as a shot comic. I look no. at him as his he his his jokes are written. He's, yeah. he's a he's, he's a, a great writer comic. and a really good yeah. performer. And when you see what he does, you laugh. Yeah. Even if yeah. it's subject matter that you're like, oh fuck, I should probably shouldn't be laughing at that. You're laughing because his delivery, his setup, and the writing is clever. So that's fine. But if you're just going on stage. To yell pussy fuck yeah. cart cunt mm-hmm. faggot whatever then there's no that that's all pointless you're, you're just, just going on stage so you can say that that's, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, then, that's then you're then you're part like of that. the you're then you're yeah. part Early of this years problem of the you're right. you're the reason there is this weird backlash yes. because no one's there's no backlash on Jesselnick. the people who are like oh I watched Jesselnick especially that's just free advertising for him at that Correct. point yeah, well, I mean but, Jesselnick might have had a persona as like a sh- um, a bit shocking because of the you know writing burns and being on roast and stuff but yeah that's true if you watch his act he's just he's just a comic there's always a way to do things and say something there's always a way to, to to, to peel it in a way that's palatable. Yes, the wave of PC culture is, has um, people talking about it, but I haven't really personally noticed anybody feeling like, dude, I got this great joke, and no, I just can't do it. Well, like, then the, it wasn't that great. I was like, going to say, the people that think that are also comics that probably aren't very good. Yeah. Well, anybody or, who's really railing against it can't write new jokes or is worried that their act from 10 years ago isn't going to fly today. Well, not yeah. not necessarily that too. You also got to you have to you have to judge the place that you're at. If you're in Utah and you're doing oh, yeah. that stuff, yes, or you're, yeah, if yeah. you're at a, if you're Read at a very if you're at a college where you know that that they're, that they're yeah. anti all that stuff and yet you're still trying to go across that line different with them. Different shows for different They've crowds. already told you in advance that they're not playing that. But you know it's funny you made that you had that look on your face cuz you and I come from the early 2000s of the comedy store and we have reference we have a reference point. That and there were darkness. guys, that, it was very dark, and it wasn't funny. These mm-hmm. were people that genuinely had hate in their hearts, and they were just using the microphone and the stage to do it, and they weren't trying to form an act. Mm-mm. They just wanted to yell at people. I mean, they wanted to walk rooms. They wanted to upset yeah. people, and that wasn't comedy. I That's mean, just... yeah, there's room for that sometimes, and still probably is, but there, there isn't. To me, I just don't... 
I think the Doesn't wave need to be on a comedy stage. Well, but yeah. I mean, it's not comedy to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it wasn't comedy. No, but dead hooker in the trunk, or the rape joke, or the she's underage joke. All of these things, you know, hey, they could still be made funny, but most times it wasn't funny back then. I yeah. didn't, I didn't like that kind of comedy and it's been back done then. So often it's that, like, been, what are you? You're just a hack. At it's that not point. even shocking. You're yeah. trying to be shocking, and it's not shocking. So what are you left with? Nothing. So. I don't yeah. think that the, I mean obviously the wave of PC stuff has is is big, and it's gone too far. But it recedes just the way things always yeah. have happened yeah. in society. Yeah, overreaches and then we, it pulls back. Yeah, we have a we're a good cater and I are a good combo because also discipline. My thing with my thing on stage was he's a riffer. Like I just get up there and I love to riff, but that's not a good discipline if you're trying to. Build an act. Comedy. Yeah. And like, I would go back and forth on that. I would struggle with it because I'm just the kind of person who loves to get on stage and just see what happens and right. have fun. And but he, yeah. he's a disciplined, polished, long time writing comic. So the com- combination now, me getting more of the discipline, writing, him on stage, we've kind of felt it out and seen like examples of this where one of us will go into the crowd and do crowd work. You guys as comics know it's weird. Like for me, it's the first time I've been on stage with another comic. Have yeah. You ever yeah no, out? I don't. So I mean, uh, just to talk, but not to do an so act. So if you're doing yeah. an act, it's kind of like now you have, you're, you're, you're like aware of the audience like you're used to, but then you have this other presence there. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of cool. It How did you crazy. guys set it up though? Because you do... Look, we're all selfish. So someone's got to lead, and yeah. someone's got to step, and then someone's got to step up, and then someone's got to take a back seat. Like the last show we when did. When you guys first did it, tell me, tell me the first time you guys went up. How did what what did you talk about before, and how did it actually play out? Yeah, what well, where was the first? That was place? over at the Springbok. Oh, the Springbok. Yeah, so it was a in, dead in room, Eyes. a really it was bad like room, 10 and people in. There. But you guys yeah. talked about it in advance, and what did you say yes. to each other? How are we going to do this? Oh, what, we what had we all these do? jokes, okay, and we knew we were going to like not probably do it in any particular order or that we weren't going to probably deliver it great. Maybe we'd forget when we got up there. And then they introduced us just as the two-mic solution. Um, and then we had... I can't remember what our first line was, but it, but we both just bounced off each other naturally because we just do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, Cater, you were like saying, this is how it's going to be from now no, on. No, that was the second oh, one. Oh, that was the second one? Yeah, <laughs> that we recorded. I said, this is how it's going to be. Two guys, two mics, two people, two comics. Um, um, we, then yeah. we did the second one... And I sort of led. And then the third time, he took the lead. So we haven't formed, like, who's going to lead every time. But it doesn't however, matter, really. I mean, and you guys know this is common. Are you guys you wearing jumpsuits, the same color? We or? should. Uniform. People like yeah. us. Let me just say this, because people don't really know me from a hole in the wall. And people kind of know you guys. Or, well, you, they really know you, and they know Cater. I'm very likable on stage, and I'm a nice person. <laughs> he meant you, Cater John, is likable. So people root for us because we're trying to be positive. Yeah. To bring back Brody. Brody, uh, positivity, uh, we, and I was always like this. I actually talked about being positive on stage back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, that must Troy. have been unpopular shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. You on stage talking about being positive. Boo, fuck yeah. this guy. People want negativity. Put yeah. um, so, a hooker in the trunk. Yeah. So um, uh, you guys know as comics, right? And you've been doing it for years. At a certain point, you just start to have to trust. You know, like you forget everything. That's what we say. We'll look at our stuff. Yeah. It's like it may go all out the window and then just get up there and be in the moment and have fun. That's kind of... I was going to say that, too, because, like, even though he's a riffer, and I think we actually used to get on you sometimes, like, about, like, um, if there was a showcase or something, you'd get nervous, and we'd be like, well, you know, you got to have a set. You can't just riff in a a clutch situation. You got to... But you guys know how it is. No matter how much you write it out and no matter how much you decide how which words go where, you still have to go on stage and, and... let it rip and it's going to come out differently. It has to sound natural. So it's never going to be exactly the way you wrote it. 
most of the time you right. say something a certain way and then you write it the way you said it. Um, I mean, you know, you go back and forth, yeah. you pre-plan, then it comes out differently and it works. So then you rewrite it the way you said it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're going to riff, we're going to write it and yeah. riff it. We're going to figure yeah. it out. But yeah. I have material, but I write on stage. So I listen to it. I transcribe mm-hmm. it. Okay. And, then, and then I listen. And then, but the, like you, to your point. And we're not selfish. Got, I'm, I'm, I, yeah. we try I, to pass the ball. He's got to be top build always. I mean, this dude's been, he hasn't left his career. He's cater. I mean, the guy's been a regular at the comedy store for 20 years. I have no ego. I'm just fortunate that he's willing to like do this with me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been wanting to do he, this for a long time. He knows me, but you know, I was uh, I was touched by that. I mean, touched not in a you know, let's not let's leave that alone. No, but, <laughs> but yeah, I did touch him an before angel, yeah. and I've touched him low and high and yeah. like I've seen, you know, your legs, I've seen your dick, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've, I've seen, I've your, seen legs. your legs. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's yeah. ever heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I've well, seen your legs. Yeah, I've seen, seen legs. his legs. How, wait, wait, he, yeah. You don't really wear shorts that much, but I've seen them. <laughs> You're a hundred degree day jean guy. Yeah. Well, not, not a fan of the legs, are you? I don't like my arms. Yeah. I'm not an arm guy. I hate no, my arms. You don't like your arms? That's why you wear John. Shoulders? John forces me to tonight expose on me. girl talk. <laughs> yeah. Hey, John. Um, <laughs> how much of your act, like you do, like how much do you like come up with some inspiration on stage where you'll be doing a joke for a long time, and well, you'll just yeah. come up with something? Uh, every, every every so often, you know what I mean. Uh, I I what what happens to me more is that I add to a joke I already have with just like I'm like oh that that worked, you know what I mean. Like I'll say something in the moment and yeah. the audience will react and I'll be like oh shit, and it'll register. But I also record everything I do so that I can mm-hmm. go back and listen to it and and whatever. And and I'm like I try to write the jokes out. Like I watch like a guy like Dan Cummins is very much like George Carlin who writes everything out, memorizes it. He'll play with words. He'll punch it up. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that Sticks joke the stays script. the same. You know. And it's and they're they're great. They're good jokes. They're funny. They're mm-hmm. competent. They're informative. It's really hard to do that. It's very hard to do that. And when I try it, I I'm like I write it out the way I think it sounds funny. Yeah. And when I go on stage, that all goes out the window. Yeah. But that works for some people, not for yeah, others. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. Yeah. And that's not my that's not my writing style. Like I have jokes that like I can add to, but I also have jokes that they're done. They're completed. The way that I say them is the way that they'll always be said. Right. And that's it. And then I like to think one of the best things I heard at Brody's memorial was Stephen Randolph comparing Brody asking, what do you guys think of my comedy? What do people think of my comedy? And Stephen Randolph saying, dude, you're a lot like the Grateful Dead. No set is ever the same. Yeah. It's always going to change. And I feel like, uh, not to take from that, but I feel like no set of mine is ever going to be the same because I don't use the same words. And sometimes the jokes fall off or they don't hit or they mm-hmm. are in a different order. I'll just kind of like, unless I'm really specifically recording for a certain purpose, I can be all over the place and still be okay with it. And if you had to do a four-minute Tonight Show set or an hour Netflix special, you... you I um, have that material. You, you, yeah, I mean, I can relate to that, even though I've always wanted to be more like the Carlin who I writes it out and has be, it all together and shit. But I rarely do we meet... I mean, how many comics do you know that that's how they work? I mean, it seems like almost 98% of the comics we know are like like us. You, you write it down, then you go up, and then you See rewrite it, it the way you said it, and then you record it, and then it just, you have to get on stage. You don't just sit and, and file it under D. No. Donut joke. Some then, people do. You know. Well, yeah, that's very but, true. But how how to the letter are they when they, you know... Deliver it. Well, so, sometimes that's also an awful thing. Like I've met, I've met a comic once who like he went on, <laughs> he wrote a joke in the afternoon, went on stage and did it, and I was like, 
oh, you know, uh, I said about something else. He goes, well, no, the joke's written. I go, well. Yeah, you have the to. Joke yeah, you wrote it at the joke four is in the done. afternoon. You yeah. performed it at eight at night. It kind of sucked. You don't want to work. The joke has the, been written. The premise yeah. is good. You don't want to work and fix it. He's like, no, nah, when I write a joke, that's it. I'm like, oh, is that why you're a shitty comic? See, that's why Moses was a shitty comic. He wrote it in stone, and it's yeah. just really hard to edit that kind of shit. You gotta, you you gotta know what stick I mean? to it. Stick to the script. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Moses. Been you yeah. Know, comic, I have a thing against comics that are funny and weren't didn't have issues as a kid, you know, didn't have pain. <laughs> no pain. And I, I just hate it. I hate it because I feel like that's kind of a lot of where you pay your dues. Yeah, that's why he hates me. I had a very volatile father, screamed I, at me for everything. I'm always on edge when I'm told to do a task. I mean, I need to get over it now, but I'm, yeah, still, I'm still like, damn, man. His dad was hard. And my dad's a right-wing Jew. We're worried about taking Cater home to the family. Yeah, his to parents. To meet the parents. His parents They're live totally in Vegas. That's a whole other. Maybe you can redo Meet the Parents. This is going to be a different whole it, it, It's going to be interesting. His dad is, a, you know, he's voted for Trump. His, his mom gave him anxiety. There's a lot of things going on there. We don't know how I'm going to be introduced. I showed my parents our first time on stage to see what they would say. And their feedback was this. We like it better when you do it yourself because you get to talk more. Well, yeah, that's supporting that's, their child. That's it. They, they literally no, just tuned out. Or you that, think that's it was a nice else. way of Passive saying, aggressive. I don't want you to they're be with saying, a Palestinian yeah, talking saying, about You really think that? Yes. You really do? They okay. They prefer I don't get on stage and talk with about what I'm talking about because they don't agree with me. Right. Oh, so your mom is also on that they're side. Both of the, okay. Fox, they've been indoctrinated by 24-7 intravenous Fox News like all the time. Yeah. Real quick, you what time? How much time do we have with you? I should probably get going. I got to yeah. be somewhere. I had an appointment. Uh, yeah. I came here, um, luckily, so, because uh, last minute. But um, can I just run and you guys stick yes. with? Yeah, Burke I'm here? gonna wrap up with you, and then we're gonna. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll move on to Bert. You got. So let me just yeah, finish I have time, my but, um, Yeah, wrap up, Cater. Okay. I uh, just out of curiosity, you grew up where? Yeah, I grew up in uh, partly in Utah when, until nine years old, and then Virginia. Utah. Yeah, my parents are from Utah. I, I, my whole families are from Utah. I still want to say that Utah. Question Utah. Mark. How did you guys end up in Utah? Man, that's a long story. My okay. mom's from old Mormon pioneer stock that came with like Brigham Young and stuff. Oh, okay. Mormons. All right. My dad, my grandfather, my dad's side immigrated. He, you know, goes through Ellis Island. I, we think maybe he was going west for more opportunity. You know, he was just like barely speaking English, mm-hmm. peddling whatever. Pelts. He was peddling. He was literally Pelts. called a peddler. On on um, some document that we That's had, cool. like, a peddler, and so he's peddling through Utah uh, because we. I think that was the only way to get all the way to the West Coast. That may have been right? the path. That was the path. Okay. And uh, he was informed that he needed to report to the draft office for World War One. This is Wait, 1915. Hold on, hold on. He's just wandering through the. Hey, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how he got the info, but it was like, hey, if you're this age, you know, you have to report to the draft and, and register for the draft. So he's in he's in Utah at the time, and and he he goes to a draft office. He goes to the war. His unit that was in the war were all Wyoming, Montana, Utah, Colorado. You know, Western cowboy types. He was friends with those guys for life, and and that he was so proud of like his service and that he did something for his country. And like, you know, he's from an era where you're expected to probably end up in a war. Yeah, you know, yeah, like that's then, probably yeah. expected that you yeah. might not live long and. Um, so he went deaf, you know, in World War One and stuff. But like, uh, you know, he uh, came back. He was very proud. Then they, they gave veterans stuff. They gave him a big farm, land. You know, wow. went back to the old country. Got a wife. Brings her back. So my dad, all his brothers, sisters, born on this farm in Provo. Oh, okay. Like 
immigrant style, raised goats, chickens, Provo cows. Spain. Provo, Spain. Yeah, great place. <laughs> Palestine, Texas. Um, <laughs> Provo, Utah. So then my dad ends up going to school there. Then he ends up being a professor at BYU when he finally finishes, you know, all of his wow. education. But he met my mom at BYU. The, but does your family live? As Palestinian, like, like, is that is that referenced or not referenced at all? Like, are you? Do you is that not how you, they saw themselves? Who my your the, family, my, your family in Utah? My how did they see themselves? My, my mom's side or my dad? What do you? My family Gra- or grandpa? So grandpa. Oh, grandma and grandpa the, barely spoke English. Grandma didn't really at all, and she was illiterate too. But grandpa spoke enough English to get by. But yeah, he he was um he was he prayed five times a day. He was a devout Muslim. He took um, in Utah. In Utah. There were no Muslims around, and that was not that was never problematic. Or was it because he was a veteran he got left alone? Well, it was partly that, but Utahns are so into religion that they actually respected him. They're like, he's so devout, and I respect that. And they knew, you know, he's an immigrant. They probably tried to convert him maybe at some point, but for the most part, they looked at him like, hey, he's not one of us. He came from another country, but he's a good person. He's gr- he's got cherries and apples. Yeah, he's got. You know, goods. a good farm. He's a nice, he's a fair person. We can trust him. You know, he's just, he did business with the farm for so long that there were people that just, look, he'll take his time to pray. He's got his little prayer rug. He's devout. He's a God-fearing man. Plus, being from Jerusalem, you know, whether you're Jewish or Muslim, Mormons and, you know, a lot of Christians, they just like that. They're like, this okay. guy's like, like genetically probably closer to Jesus than I am, right? He's probably related. Like they probably saw him as like, you know, being from the homeland, the the holy land. There was something there that they respected, but um how did the family you're and then you DC? Yeah, so then uh, my dad wanted to get us the fuck out of Utah. <laughs> After all that positivity. After all that shit, you know. <laughs> we, all four of us, I have three brothers, four boys. So at one point <laughs> My dad's like, look, we can't spend our whole lives here. Meaning, like, it sounds like the farm life was not. My dad never liked the farm. He went and got his PhD. He didn't want us to grow up in a place where we felt different because he felt isolated and different. He felt like, because they would treat him like Mexican. Like, they were all, Mexicans were the only other ethnicity and natives, Native Americans, right? So he was like, I don't want them to be in a place where they feel like minorities. Okay. Uh, so he wanted to go to a more diverse place and, you know, he just looked for work and, in coastal area. So we end up in DC. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where they still live. And my brothers live there and, uh, and, and to go full circle, I have a brother who's a lawyer and he went, uh, he was in, worked in the white house for a few years. He won't have an Alexa. He keeps his Facebook private and he is literally, he's not paranoid at all, but he goes, fuck yeah, they're listening. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you always, so, okay. All right. But okay. I don't live like that. Cause I want to be heard. Um, <laughs> so you, you have know, Alexa? So I have one. But uh, uh, yeah, so anyway, the family's back there, and then all the extended families, uh, you know, mostly in Utah and uh, a little bit spread out. But but then in, in Palestine, there's like 2,500 uh, fa- members of the family. Abu Qadir. Abu Qadir, yeah, they live uh, in Did the, you spend a large portion? Did you guys travel back and forth to, to meet family? Like, so were you exposed to that very early yeah. in your life? Okay. Yeah, but I didn't go over there till the first time until I was like 21. Oh, yeah. okay, so not when you were a kid. I was 19, 20, okay. I can't remember. No, not when I was a little kid. So I mean, we always had cousins. We had grandma living with us. She smelled like garlic, made us smell like garlic. <laughs> she didn't speak good English. Wait, should she rub it on you? She'd rub it on our face. She okay. Would, olive oil is a cure-all, you know, like, oh, you're sick, you have AIDS, whatever. Put some <laughs> olive oil. Like, it didn't matter. Olive oil <laughs> is the cure-all for everything. Olive oil. She, AIDS didn't exist back then. Uh, but uh, so we always knew we were of, you know, this thing. But like in cousins that would visit, 
that were air. But then, yeah, went over there, spent time. And then since then, you know, I've gone like five, ten, I don't know how many times, you know, handful, a lot of times, dozen times to over there to see family. And they are totally aware of all the um, family that left to go to America. And they keep in there like, like, oh, yes, you are your father. They'll explain to me my family. You know, your grandfather, his brother is from the second wife of his grandfather. And you're like, well, I don't know. I can't follow. But they, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> they, yeah, they keep track of everybody, the family tree and everything. They know who everybody is. And that's, like, but that's also because that's their, their, everything is storytelling. Yep. It's, it's like they, they, all the history, everything mm-hmm. has been passed down and told in a way that they remember it and remember it and can pass yep. it on. And it's hilarious because they all tell the same thing but different versions of it sure. so there's it never gets tiring to yeah. like be like hey tell me again how we're related i'm your third cousin <laughs> you know and you're like you, people will get in fights about like yeah no it's not second it's third no it's once removed like they'll get into arguments <laughs> about how it all connects but um yeah a lot of entertaining people a lot of funny characters a lot of racism a lot of um religion a lot of uh, uh, backwards, third world type, and then a lot of really modern. And now I was just over there last September. I'm re- I was really impressed. I'm like now the the houses aren't just like a string with a light bulb on it, and you know now it's like flat screens and marble countertops and looking more. good, looking modern. You got the internet. It's not it's not like it used to be. The village is less of a village, more of a neighborhood. You know, cul-de-sac. <laughs> it's looking pretty good. I mean, things change, things evolve. Um, but anyway, yeah. So um, so that's why I'm from that Virginia and that Southern and then the Western. So I'm a little country Western. Well, um, since I know you got to go. So what we'll do is um, we'll get into the rest of your actual journey. Maybe I'll stop by a different time. Let's we'll talk it. more about the rest Man, of your life lo- after yeah. 21. We'll talk about your after 21. And would you guys like to come um, when we get our thing going? Of course. Yeah, if you think it's necessary to have two uh, powdered milk fellas on your... Two powdered milk n- not know-it-alls. I think yeah, you we... guys are be helpful to us because we're always looking for the other, like, what's the... You know, we'll probably switch it up and just talk about painful memories of your history. That's and like right. You're gonna, felt. yeah, you're gonna hate me. My, I would my like parents to hear loved Hux. me. Yeah. Oh, no, but I mean, you've had. Have you ever been like made fun of as a kid ever? Sure. Look, I got red hair and freckles, man. Yeah, so that's and my last he, name is Huck. That's what he feels like, man. Yeah. You know, you can anybody out there who's ever, you know, been marginalized. Right. Imagine Other. not having a passport, right? The country. Yeah. You don't Palestinians have a country. don't even have a passport. They live in this place and they don't have, they can't travel. But I was going to say, Erwin, when we met... Are you literally going to walk? He's, I just want to describe this. Cater is walking towards the door with the microphone still in. Are you, you literally just going to walk, close that, the door? That I, um, <laughs> just walking around. I feel like I'm on stage now, but... Do you remember how depressed you were when we met? Yeah. You were going through a bad, was it divorce? Divorce, You were married. Yeah. So, yeah, you were married, and, like, you came in, and you were just, like, always droopy, sad, (laughs) depressed. And we all were, like, trying to cheer you up and, like, include and and try to, like, how are we going to help this guy? We got to fix this. You know what I mean? And then when you met Natalie, I was like, <laughs> wow, that girl's like a perfect fit for you. Like, she's tall. She's good looking. She's she's smart. She's supportive of you doing comedy. And like, sure enough, man. And then I went through breakups and you helped me. So, I mean, the depression went all around. Well, you know, I, I, there's, that's why people stay. You, you, you learn very quickly. Almost, almost 20 years now, right? It's just yeah. like, And you learn. That's right. That's if you learn anything that uh, you, there are some good people you can meet along the way and you should hold on to them. That's, that's really part of what our you bond. Learned. Yeah. yeah. It's true. You help each other. Aaron Cater, everybody. Aaron Cater. Thanks, Thank you guys. Thank you so much for coming by, buddy. I hope to see you soon. All right, so Cater's out.
we're just left with Brian. So now we can be real about Katie. <laughs> now, now you're like, here's how I real feel, yeah, really I mean, feel about it's, Palestinians. It, it, it's tough carrying that so weight of just constantly having to make the Palestinian stuff funny. But you know, <laughs> so I it sounds like it. your parents got to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we 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 love each other. Do you really? Do you really think? So your parents really don't want you doing this with them? Are they um, that? Fu- I, I mean, I, unfortunately, are you being sarcastic to me, an extent? Let me or? just say something right now. I'm an open book. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Sure, um, we all have. I've done a lot of things that I regret. Sometimes I don't think I'm a good person, but um, so that that all that to say, um, I don't really have a great relationship with my parents. Unfortunately, it's been really. Str- I mean, again, it, it's uh, it's just been strained. You know, we don't agree on anything politically. There, my mother and my wife butt heads. It's a controlled thing since the beginning. It's just been brutal. Are you from and here? I'm always put in the middle of it. People out there who understand that, please go to my Twitter and all social media at Brian Burke, B-R-I-A-N-B-E-R-K-E. I have 50 followers. You might be 51. And when I get to a million, you'll remember you were on board early and you and I will always be together out there. Whoever's listening and thinking I'm talking to them, you're right. You, one person, will, you'll get you'll get your 51, I promise. That's one thing you'll get out of the show. The um, are your, Is your family from here or Cleveland. they just live out here now? Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, but you, but so when you say butthead, they know they live in Vegas. Okay, that's my, what I mean. So my they live closer in Vegas. Now. Okay, mother. I haven't the- seen my parents. Do you really want to go down this road? I don't mind because if a lot of people have issues with their family and it's not fun, but I'll talk about no, it. No, well, I mean, we'll talk about that as much as you want. Are you, I, I guess I, w- I was trying to. You're saying that your your wife and your mom butthead, so you guys <laughs> actually physically see each other, or is this on the phone? These like phone conversations. Well, it just it just like it's so past all that now. So I've been married. I've been with my wife for 17 years. We've been married 11. 17 years. Okay, wow. that's crazy, huh? Yeah. Um, we met in 2002. I was still doing comedy. In fact, we met. She was working at the gay gym in West Hollywood. You you know TK, TK Madison, who's the um, Hall of Famer of Bringer oh, yeah. Runners. Yeah, TK has literally been brought up on this podcast. He's, he was the guy who first gave me real stage. Is time. he still doing shows? Yes. I just did a yes. show with oh, TK. Okay. Yes. So TK, um, I met back probably in 99. He, the first show he ever did, I was doing that with him back in the day. Okay. Wow. Um, we were booking a show, and this was like in 99. So, but anyway... Um, why did I bring up TK? There was a reason. Uh, oh. Where you met your wife? I just yeah, yeah, a, wife, I, wife, I, wife. I just wife. took a, a puff of some uh, cater weed, and that's from the <laughs> West Bank. It's really strong. He gets um, it shipped. So in. my recall is less than it was about twenty minutes ago. Yeah, uh, you're saying the uh, wife. So you met your wife yeah, at a we TK met show. Of TK. TK oh, he was training people. Big oh. muscle head. He had a card that said TK, comedian, part-time gynecologist. Yep. This dude. <laughs> yep. Yep, I yes. remember that card. So he would run around and saw my wife was working at this place, 24-hour West Hollywood, 24-hour fitness. There was a place in the back called Massage Masters. She was scheduling massages there, and TK's like, I'm going to put a thumping on her, dude. Check this out. He likes, And I was too intimidated. My wife's very attractive, and I'm just always was the guy who would be on a date with a chick. We'd go back to her place, sit on the couch, and do nothing, and then it would get awkward, and I would leave, and I would just beat <laughs> myself up the whole time home. Yeah, Did I've been you, there. Yeah, I've been there a lot. So TK was like, I'm going to hook up, comes up, gives her the card. She's, for whatever reason, more into me, and that's when I was in the best physical shape of my life back then. You're a specimen now. 
I dropped twenty about eighteen pounds since three months ago. Holy no, shit! That was for you, back. man. Dude, I tr- I treated this like it was weird. This is a life changing thing. I was crying to my father in law about this because I said, "Why did Brody have to die for me to come back to comedy?" At the time, that's what I was thinking. I was like, "This it was such a mind fuck to me, dude." Yeah. And then I realized it wasn't really. It was just it gave me the opportunity, and like I got to tell his mother at the memorial. I, I it was the weirdest. It was such a cool feeling. Like I saw her sitting alone in the booth. I wasn't supposed to be in the main. If for those people that don't know, when Brody had his official memorial at the Comedy Store, there was kind of this overflow room, right? Like the original room had a TV in there. And everything. Yeah. Did you know this? Yes, no? I was I, there. I yeah. did not go. Was that where you were? No, I was in the main room. Yeah, you I was just standing in the back. I was supposed to be in that room, and Mary Stevens, who's become a really good friend of mine. I don't know if you guys know her. She's yeah, Hermosa Beach Mary. Yeah, Hermosa Beach Mary. We met. I reached. Is out she to friends? Her. I, forgive who, me about Mary. Who, yeah, who is she? Mary is became um, great. Just patrons and fans of Brody's at the Comedy Store. I believe around twenty. 15, about five, six years ago, and she just immediately was hooked on what Brody was doing, thought it was unique. Her husband Donald and her would be regulars almost every week for years. Yeah, because I, mean, I met her, and she was like, oh, I know who you are, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. She knows everybody. Yeah, that's so great. So I, I saw, I didn't really understand it until, like, when Brody died, I immersed myself, like, for two weeks in just, like, a crazy amount of all his periscopes, all the stuff he did, comedy... And it was just like really intense for me. I felt like yeah, that would be. I was that's hard for me to even look at now. Some of it, you know what I mean. So like to to kind of bring it all out and look at it again. I don't know. That's hard. Yeah, so a lot of it I hadn't seen. I hadn't seen his periscopes. I I'd, I'd watched his periscopes from time to time. You did yeah, like yes. ste- uh, you can still watch them. Steps yeah. with Steve was it. Was that was it called steps? Well, I would just see that he was on. He was just so random that I and I I used to I joke with John about it that I was just like, well, if it's Brody, you just never know what's going to happen. So like most people, I'd be like, I'm not interested in your periscope. I don't, you know, what I mean, like I'm sure when I periscoped that I was at a Dodger game, I wouldn't expect anybody to want to watch it. But if Brody periscoped that he was on the sidewalk, yeah, and looking at bubble gum drops on the ground, I'd be like, oh, all right, well, I'm gonna have to check in on this to make sure I know what's going on here because yeah. it was just who he was. You know what I mean? Like that, it, I was gravitated towards that I, stuff. I held a phone for him once in the like not that long ago in the back of the store. We were, he was about to go up, and he's like, hey, can you hold my phone? And I'm gonna periscope this whole thing. And I was like, what? All right. So like, I just held the phone and I kind of videotaped him while he literally he was on stage for like. I don't know, three seconds. And then he was like off the stage and into the crowd. Uh, Erwin, remember when you were saying earlier kind of how I just disappeared? Like the last thing you... With Brody, I had to figure out like what it was. And like in 2006, early 2006, we were working an idea. I always told him, dude, I want to do a show with you. Like I want you to do a show... It was just called The Brody Show, and it was stuff like his sister catching him in the basement jerking off on a spider. Do you guys know that story about Brody? I don't. I don't know that story. Well, she didn't do it. She didn't catch him, but he talked about this. You know his last special at the comedy store? Yeah. um, He talks about it there. I don't know how many times he did, but I... But one one of the fr- early on, he told me the story. The way my mind is, this always was ingrained, burned into my head that Brody once was in the basement and he was jerking off, saw a spider, and decided to jerk off on the spider, finished on the spider, and that's a true story. And I never forgot it. So back <laughs> then, I was like, dude, we have to do an episode where your sister like catches you doing that. But you know, his sister Stephanie, who I've met, I don't know. 
Um, but I, I want to circle back to something that I was going to say before. At the memorial, I saw Brody's mother, and I looked at her, and I said, your son was so tremendously courageous. He affected and saved lives with that by putting out there what he did. I go, he was such a brilliant, unique soul, very sensitive, unique soul. And unfortunately, sometimes when you're when you have those special gifts and stuff, it just life is life becomes too much sometimes. But I just want you to know how much he meant and how honored I was to know him. And I just was amazing. I felt so good about that. Like and she just looked at me and said, like, you know, how wanted to know how I knew him. And I said, we, you know, I did comedy with him. And she, you know, she's 89, I think. It's like, un it's, I can't really imagine any of this stuff that yeah. she's going through. Yeah, um, no, it, uh, that was all very rough. But, uh, and you know, I know you said earlier, you're not a fan of when say, people th say things happen for a reason. And I, I, I get that, I understand that. But like, I will say things happen and things are as they are. And there's nothing we, that can really, you know what I mean? Like, this is just what happened. Uh, and there, in a situation like that, there is always extreme negative uh, negativity about why or what happened or what led up to it or what the darkness was or how, how come we couldn't fight through it or whatever it is. But there's also <clears throat> the fact that once you kind of shed your body and you you're just become pure energy out in the world, which is what we, like human beings, will call death, you know, because you're not in your body anymore and you're not this personality that you've created and you don't have your memories or whatever, so, you you know, but your true self, your real, all your energy goes back out into the world. And I think when a guy like that becomes boundless and is not confined to a body or a, a brain or whatever, that that, that is, uh, that that's a positive take, meaning we need more of that energy out in the world anyway. So it's like, I'm not saying I'm, I'm happy or he should have done this or, you know what I mean? Like, naturally, he would have eventually passed away, as everyone does, and that energy would have, again, been released. But, like, of that that kind of stuff and then drawing you back into comedy and, and how it affected the rest of the community, we were all together on those couple of nights, you know what I mean? People, I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't seen Brian Keith Etheridge in probably fucking 20 years, it felt like. And it was like we're all back eating at Carney's and doing shit that we used to do back in the day. And it was just, again, I don't, I'm, I would never, uh, I, if I, I would give a, a lot for Brody to be back here with us because he was a, that kind of person that affected everyone in, in mostly in a positive way. But like, there, there are, there are things that happen when someone passes away, like whether it's people coming back together or old relationships being mended or fights being. Because people realize life is so short and precious. What I did was something made me go back to not just all these comics, like all these relationships I had that I left behind that I thought would never come back. And even in college and high school, something changed me. And I did that. And now I feel so good because I feel like that wasn't a, like a wasted part of my life. That did matter. People did remember me like that was emotional for me. Yeah. You know? And there are there, there are no real wasted parts of life. Like if you you said you have regrets of things that yeah. didn't go right or things happened, that all happened putting you where you are now. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So it's not that things happen for a reason. Again, it's that they happen and this is what's happening. And if you're living in the moment, you have to accept that and you're suffering, people's suffering if it's not uh, like a mental illness or a voice yeah. in your head, but pe most people, ninety percent of people's suffering comes from them wanting to be somewhere else, wanting to do something. Else. Like if they're not happy where they're at, they're suffering. Oh, I can't stand it. I'm waiting in line. 
because they want to be in the car driving home. And then they're in the car and they're in traffic. Oh, they're suffering because they can't get home. It's like this shit that you rail against every, every second of the day, that's where your suffering comes from. If you understand that this is where you're at, this is what's happening, take in the moment, do with it what you will, try to be positive about it, and that every moment, there is no past, there is no future. So you just, the moment is all you have. So if you're not enjoying that, you're going to be miserable. So the only way to not be miserable is to enjoy the moment. Yeah, it's hard to be present in the moment. Yeah. It's really hard. It's, it, it's hard at when you first think about it, it's yeah. hard. As you sort of look into it, you can do it. And you don't need, no one's asking anyone to be present 24 hours a day, seven days. That's fucking crazy. Like, you can't. There's just no way. But, like, you know, well, get up, walk into the bathroom, think about it. You're, like, making steps crazy. You're on a floor. It's on a foundation that's built somewhere. Like, fo- just live in the what you're doing at that time. Do you have any problems right then? Yeah, sure. You got rent due. You got things coming up in the future. I'm talking right now. Do you have any fucking problems right now where you're sitting, what you're doing, who you're looking at, who you're talking to? Are you in danger? No, you're not. 99% of us are not. So it's like... You know, you just have to kind of be in the moment. And and that means being present in things that seem like they're stepping stones to better things. I don't know. Sometimes I rant. Sorry. No, it's... it's You're speaking? Yeah, and I, that was making me think that there's probably people listening to this that... Through Alexa? <laughs> do have issues, you know, do have these concerns and fears and maybe struggling... I'm <laughs> talking to you, Alexa. Stop, Alexa. Fuck off. Well, okay. I wonder if she'll answer that. I'd not answer that. <laughs> okay. Well, there's your answer. <laughs> Stupid uh, asshole. Anyway, uh, you know, I just wanted to say one point that there's people out there you can reach out to, and yeah. there's people that yes. do care, and you may not know that and understand that because when you're in a certain state of mind. It, you're not thinking in a way that's allowing you to see certain parts of reality that people love you and care about you. So, you know, remember that. Yeah, it was interesting. I will, I will say, Brian, you, you know, when you reminded me that Brody was still on Periscope and you were doing, and I did go back and watch some of his last Periscope. It was, it's, yeah. it's hard to watch too much of it because he, you know, Brody was an open book and he was talking even at that time. He's the one we were talking about. I think he found seven bucks or something like that on the oh, on yeah, the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but he was also talking about the fact that he was messing with his meds, and like you're saying, so it's it's one of those weird things where you're watching this, and it's 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 at times it's hard to watch because you realize the outcome. Yeah, you know what, you know the ending, and that's the you sad know the part, ending yeah. of it. But you know, I, I I don't know if people are still trying to struggle with the why he did it kind of thing. I hope that people just kind of ultimately why or not, like you said. Um, if there's anything we can learn from it is the fact that you constantly have to remind people, like, look, there's, you know, no matter what, whatever dark place you're in, we want you here. And there's always mm-hmm. going to be somebody that is willing to listen to you. You know, we had a preview. You remember Eric Edwards? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we had him on the show. Uh-huh. And Eric, um, this is pre, pre the, what happened to Brody, I believe, as well. This was, yeah, I believe it was, yeah. So Eric... You know, shared a story with us that we did not know, and he was talking about he had a moment in his life where he was um, he was suicidal, and out of nowhere, his phone rang. He was thinking about doing it. He was like, "I'm going to kill myself tonight." Yeah. And then his phone rang at like four in the morning. Four in the morning from a friend of his said, "I don't know. I just got this feeling. I needed to give you a call. Everything going okay?" Like, and that was the beginning of like the turnaround, and. 
and whatever you would call that moment, whatever. But the you know the the point was is that he was acknowledging that there turns out there are people out there that are thinking about you, that are people out there that do care about you. So his whole thing was you know in those dark moments, it's like they're there. For him, he was fortunate that person for whatever reason chose to call at that time. Sometimes they're always going to call, but you should know that you can also pick up the phone and you know you can call somebody, you know, and 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 from a just from what we, anybody, yeah, call anybody. This this goes it goes for anyone, but but specifically if I want to talk about the people in the comedy community, just kind of know that we're all a little bit off in a sense that like you know when I, now when I'm at a show and someone seems down or kind of mopey or weird or different than I usually. I'll, the next day, I'll send them a text in the afternoon. I won't do anything super early because I know how comics are. But like, <laughs> but like, I'll send a text like, "Hey, man," uh, or "Hey, whoever." Like, you seem down. Everything cool? Like, if you need anything, you know. Like, and I had a guy cancel on a couple of shows that I was putting together, and I was like, "Look, man, is everything okay?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm just going through some shit." And I'm like, "I, I understand that thought process." Like. You know, also, it's my shit. I'm going through it. Why would I burden anyone else with it? And and I also appreciate that kind of men- mentality of, like, I don't want to... Sh- my problems are my own. And what if you have your own problems. I don't need to dump this shit on you. And while that could be true, you should talk to somebody. And, like, it never hurts to just check back in with someone you saw. And that was, like, kind of... A, it's a bummer for me because I saw Brody on the Wednesday before he committed suicide. And my uh, people that were at the show were like, oh, my God, that was great. I got to see Brody. I haven't seen Brody before. I'm like, yeah, it was. He was a little bit more subdued than I'd seen him in the past, but still very funny. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe a text, uh, who knows? You just don't know. And, and his thing was so dark and so kind of because he went off meds, and again, we don't know the whole story, but like sometimes there's just nothing you can do. You know, Brody was worried about being considered a cautionary tale. He talked about it in that pod, in the um, Periscope, and he was, he didn't, it's easy to say now, looking back, the signs were there. And I don't think a lot of the people that are close to him were watching his periscopes, to be honest with you, and paying attention to that stuff. He yeah. was always doing it. But, you know, it, there was that buildup that I could see watching it of somebody who didn't care about baseball anymore and would talk about it. He was apathetic about it. We all know how important baseball was to Brody. And the final thing, the only thing he was doing was being able to get on stage. He was taking some beta blockers as well as some, you know, who knows, get on and then off that medicine. And, and it got to the point where he couldn't go on stage anymore and didn't, it was like two peeps in so much pain. And so, you can't. I mean, we've all as comics, and I've heard other podcasts and people that knew Brody well. You know, you, you can't put yourself in somebody's head. But what you can do, imagine is if something, somebody couldn't even do that anymore, and that was their whole life and what they wanted. And you got to a point where you were so. And the thing that infuriates me is that man, as brilliant as he was, still had to worry about making money. Yeah. Like that was yeah. a big part of this. Was he financially had stress too? Yeah. That that was a, one of the things that a comic I, I really like said after that we went to the the first memorial. And uh, afterwards, I was like, well, you know, it's nice that all these kind of big names showed up. And and this guy was like, yeah, real nice. These fucking people could have put this guy in a million different movies, and they did nothing. And now they want to act like they're big deals. They can fuck off. And I was like, interesting point, interesting point. Because there was a lot of that. There was a lot of people kind of like, well, you know, I gave Brody this, and I gave him that. Yeah, then then you cut him out of a movie, and then you did this, and then you didn't give him another job. And then you, it's like... 
if you love this guy so much, there's there was plenty of spots for him to be put into movies and, and things like that. And I, you could say that about anybody that you think is talented at this point. But it's it was a little frustrating. It's frustrating, but let let's we, you, we have to be careful that we cannot put what Brody chose to do on oh, anybody's plate. No, 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 and that's not at all. And I understand, all I understand that person's frustration. Sure, absolutely, especially right then in the moment when we were just sitting yes, in a room full yeah. of people that were. I, I who I mean, I get, like I said, we I, we may never. Well, I guess we will never we will really never truly know. know. There's no you way know. to know. But going back to original, going back to um, your your point, Brian, and then I want to I want to go to something else real quick. Is that like I really I'm assuming what you were talking about was like there there is somebody there if you're feeling something yeah. just you at least try to reach out to somebody at least yep. try to you know just try to talk to somebody I mean again there's a million there different is, ways to reach out there too. is no per, there is no perfect solution or cure for anything in, in situations like this but at least effort yeah. efforts it starts with effort well right my yeah. feelings when I deal with anxiety in my own life you know I realize that a like. You know, there's usually something I need to get organized or do or take a step back. I'm overwhelmed for some reason. But you also realize quickly each day is a new day and each day does bring new hope. That's the beautiful thing about a, a new day. So as hard as things might seem in the moment, um, it's hard. It's hard. To, you know, I wish I had a secret formula that would make everybody out there who felt like there was no hope hope. Yeah. But there yeah th and that's the thing there is no secret formula i mean yeah. it's just you you kind of got like you said tomorrow's a new day you know make, try to make the best of it you know what i mean and just and, and see how you roll you know that's really all you you know i i guess at the end of the day i guess it's really all you can do and that, and that goes for any any version of what you're feeling any version of what you're feeling from the darkest darks to the highest highs you know and not to quote not to quote titles of tv shows but you know <laughs> step by step Death wish? one day oh. at a time it's oh. like you gotta just kind of do your thing and keep moving forward. Agreed. So I, I, it's gonna sound like a weird transition, but so you're a Midwesterner. <laughs> I'm from Cleveland. I mean, yeah, Midwest. That's considered Ohio's Midwest. Midwest, right? All, it's like borderline, right? That's Ohio's almost... like a police state, though. John's not a fan. That... John's not a fan of Ohio. Well, I'm from Cleveland. So think about that for a minute. Cleveland's yeah, well, Cleveland, like a liberal... Cleveland's pretty fun. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, that was my one. That was the redeeming. Now Ohio itself is a beautiful yeah. state. Driving yeah. through there, I I think it's beautiful. But like I see more cops in Ohio than I see <laughs> in any other state in the union. It's crazy. Well, you uh, so Aaron was talking about like he moved when he was young from Utah. Did you go all the way through high school and stuff in Ohio? In Ohio? Yeah, I left. I left, graduated high school, um, ended up going to Ohio State. Oh, okay. But then left there, went to film school at Ithaca College, transferred there in New York. Okay. Cool. And then came out here as part of the L.A. program. They had a college where you do internships and stuff. And I was going into, that's my goal at the time. I had a script writing minor. Filmmaking was my major. And then came out here. On an internship you came out here? Well, I, they had something called the L.A. semester at Ithaca College. So I technically, we li were living up at the Oakwood Apartments. You know where that is <laughs> the, in Barham? The Cokewoods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pre-furnished. The, they've, yeah. they've since redone them, but they're awful. Were you there ever? I've been there, yeah. There's a, the, what, the Oakwood Apartments, like, like Tom Hanks has been there. Like, that's oh, like man. the place Any, that everybody yeah. goes Any to. Any game yeah. show contestant that shot anything at Universal, anybody who's come in to be part of the Tonight Show. Oh, is that what it is? Big, like, it's just a, it's pre, for Corey Haim lived there. That's where he passed away. Like So part of it's, is, is it all temporary living per se? Like, were you? you it were used just, to be. I okay. don't know what it is now. I don't know, but it's furnished living. So yeah. people so that most like, okay, got you it. Know. 
but we were there as part of the college. Right. And so you were also temporary. And I stayed there. Oh, you I did. Stayed out in so LA. you can't. But did you stay at Oakwood, or did you leave Oakwood and go somewhere else? No, my two buddies of mine that graduated with me went to Burbank and lived in an apartment together. Okay, yeah, so you were you were a Burbankian. Yep, I was there uh, till 2004 when I moved with my who's now my wife. We weren't married then. We moved to by the Grove. Okay, that's where I was. Okay. You uh um so where did the, all the comedy stuff come from? Because I, 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 I we're gonna go back to the filmmaking stuff because that's kind of where you and I started bonding later after yeah. meeting in comedy because we both were like those guys that like we did film school stuff right like that was the thing and like you were making stuff I was making stuff back then to be clear. Not cool. a lot of people that were comics were making stuff. It was harder. It was no, much, much harder. But I'm yeah. saying, so we were we were the rare guys that were like, yeah. no, man, we're going to go shoot some shit. Like, that's not what people were doing. They're like, if you want to put me in something, you're making cool. But you and I were actually trying to oh make God, I just remember stuff. you made the thing with Baxter. Yes. And star, and, um, and, uh, what's his name? The other dude. Timmel? Who was Darth Vader. Oh, oh, you, oh, you're talking. Yes, that's yeah, right. Who was My God, it's been so long. You're talking about uh, Be- Rob Wheeler. Yes. Beef Curtain Beef Cowboys. Beef Curtain Cowboys. Yes. yes. That's right. The Beef Curtain oh Cowboys. Back in the day. I mean, th- that was the first thing I made ever. That's right. Well, I made Super Priest. That's the first thing you made out here. You made some film, some art and film yeah. school. No, no, no. And, and you I'm, guys are all from. In, so Carboni was over there with you, right? Back in Wisconsin. Carboni was Wisconsin. Those guys were Illinois guys. No, well, well you, uh, train him. I'm a Wisconsin guy, yes. Yeah, and what's his Carban- name? Carboni, Caliendo, right? Baxter, and then, Timmel, uh, yep. And who else? No one else? Huh. Well, Nate, d- d- as far as the Wisconsin, oh, Tom Clark's Wisconsin, oh, Tom, ba- yeah. What's up with Baxter these days? He lives, He he's he's the Mr. Belvedere of of, uh, of, of Caliendo's uh, uh, compound down in uh, Arizona. Wow! Yeah, he they left always a- stayed tight. Those guys. Yeah, well, yeah. they were they were best friends from high school. Yeah, okay, so they were always close. Okay, but yeah, so it's like so comedy. So let me ask you this. Yeah. So was was what was more important? Because you were talking about like I really didn't want to be an actor, no, but like here's here's, so there's right comedy, now. filmmaking, yeah. and acting for you. So yeah. what what were you all about? Like how did it end up evolving the way it did? Well, I was interested in documentary filmmaking, honestly, and then in college. Um, in college, oh, that okay. was, it was nonfiction film I was taking. Okay, um, and then um, I wanted to. I always secretly thought I was the kind of kid like my friends knew I was funny. I had a couple friends. I used to sit at home and sometimes I would do my own radio show as a kid, and I would be the guest and I would be my voice and I would sit there and tape record this stuff. Okay, and kind of stuff like that. And and I, but I didn't have the confidence. I remember we had a high school talent show. Um, called Black, White, and Gold, Beachwood High School. And I was a kid who was always sitting there just, like, wishing I could do, was there, up there. But I didn't, I couldn't, you know? And it was like that. And even in college, I never really did anything officially with comedy. I tried out for, like, one thing, and I just didn't get it because I was just over the top. I was pretending that, like, my hand was my girlfriend, and I was talking to my hand. It was just too much. I wasn't really... Probably whatever. Point being, so I got out to L.A., and then I remember, and this was in 98, uh, a buddy of mine who wasn't that funny was like, I'm going to do comedy. And I'm like, fuck. And then I'm like, I just got to do it. Went to Kindness of Strangers. Jeff Keller was the host. That's when I met Eric Edwards right away. Like, he was always at the Kindness, and that's before he lost all that weight, you know? Oh, so he was still bigger than that. He was in Sergeant Bilko. Remember that? And a bunch of movies. (laughs) 
and then like um, so he was so Keller I got up on stage and I remember the first stuff I started writing was because my mother this is true when I was in the womb the doctors told my mother I was an ovarian cyst and she took a bunch of medication to try to get rid of the cyst and then they said you know you may not want to have this pregnancy because of this and I was like two and a half months early rushed in an incubator to the hospital and I always would talk about how like that I thought impacted me and how now I could become a serial killer because of that medicine. <laughs> and I would do bits about that. And, uh, but that really didn't get a ton of laughs. I realized <laughs> the stuff that got a lot of laughs was the stuff I wasn't like trying to be funny about, just talking, like when I was Being yourself. Being myself. And Keller was really cool. And he said, hey, man, you're funny. You come back here. Come back here. And he was really encouraging. And everyone, that was a really clicky, clicky place. Do you remember that back mm -mm. then at all? It was up was on it even still around? What's when it, what I, was it? I got here in 2000. Because I got here in yeah, 2000. It was still there? I think so. Okay. I know like Ken Jung, who I ran into at um, the memorial, a bunch of people like that used to do That was their joint at Hangout. And uh, anyway, so the, the short version or, or is that I, that's where I that's started. That's who started getting the comedy. And then I met TK because he was over at the L.A. Cabaret, and I didn't really know much. You know how when you start, like, you don't care. Bring her show. Everyone wants to see you do comedy. You're the guy yes, in the office. Yes, He's funny. So Everyone they, will come out. Yeah, and I was like, I had worked, I was working um, at the MGM legal department doing, it was like a temp job, organizing files of these movies, really boring stuff. And I told everyone, I remember doing a gig, and I brought like 30 people. Yeah. And there was 32 people in the audience. Yeah, yeah. And TK walked up to me, and he was like, hey, man, he had already started doing break. He was running, he was booked, he was in strip clubs working at like VIP sections. Yeah, like he was a DJ slash VIP guy slash door guy slash. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Gynecologist. That, and then I realized, I don't know if you guys remember a comic who passed away named Sam Brown. Do you mm -hmm. remember Sam at all? Yeah. He ended up doing a lot of writing, had a successful screenwriting career. He he started running a room back in like 99, 98 at Luna Park. I think it was Monday nights. He would book people, but then he would go on and do like 30 or 40 minutes. He was a really funny guy. He passed away uh, probably like f five to ten years ago of pancreatic cancer. Oh, my God. And it was quick, too, and he had two young kids. Um, but... He, that's where I started getting into Luna Park because of him. And then I ran a room there for a long time. And we would have, in, we called it Industry Horrors. <laughs> and we would try to get like industry there. And, yeah. You know, but. And, uh, and so, but you were not doing movie stuff. Or no, were you, uh, were you I was thinking doing, about it? Well, that, when Being Around Jeremy started, that really started in 2001 or two. And that was quite a process for you, if I remember correctly. That took a that long was... time to do. I kind of killed. I mean, the project. I could do something with it. It's it's so Ron's in it, Andy Dick's in it. It was forty minutes. Um, it's basically I go inside Ron Jeremy and ruin his porn career because he can't last more than like a couple seconds when I'm inside him. And then, are you familiar with this? Yeah, isn't this on Amazon? It might be, but I no, not no, not it. Not legally, is it was. I, it's not any. You can find it if you Google it on Amazon. I think somebody like a used copy of it. Okay, because I feel like your face is on it. Yeah, I'm feel, on it. I feel like I've seen it. Maybe, but here's the thing with that movie. <laughs> uh, so I ruined Ron, Ron's porn career, and then he becomes a stand-up comic. So we got Ron to film comedy at the Ha Ha. I remember ha -ha that. I think I was there. That Hilarious. Was pretty new back then. And uh, yeah, you might have been. I think I was there. We did a whole set with them. We put it on the DVD. Then there was behind the scenes with like the porn stars topless in like the jacuzzi. Anyway, 
So yeah, that took a while because I had to reshoot a bunch of stuff and I wasn't happy with it. And it and was Andy Dick was. was all over the place too, right? If I'm not the mistaken. The best thing in that movie, personally, that I enjoyed was um, the stuff. And this is kind of happens a lot, as you guys know. Like when you don't plan stuff and you just let it happen and get the right people involved and let them do their thing, get out of the way, you can get comedic gold, right? And I wish I could take credit for it, but the funniest things that happened in there were just like kind of Andy and Ron, just putting them in the right situation and then letting them do their thing. Well, in one case, they're sitting on a couch, and I had gotten, but wow, I don't even know. I know how I got it, but it was a long time. I was like 18 or 19 in New York City, and I was in a porn shop and ended up picking up a German scat film uh, video. It was VHS. And I mean, I'm not proud of that. I'm not going to lie. I did want to, I was curious. So, but I had this tape in a drawer. I never really did anything with it. I'm like, shit. So we had this VCR set up. They're doing a scene, and I just stuck it in there in one take, and I just pushed play. You watch them, and Andy's kind of like looking at this, and he just kept going, Ron, that better be pudding, Ron. Ron, that better be pudding. And Ron is just getting angrier and angry, and finally yells, cut, gets up, and just starts throwing a shit fit because he's like, now everyone's going to think I do scat films. I don't do those films. I don't do that. Like, he was just so upset because he thought that because of that, that it was on, that he thought that it was ridiculous. I mean, it's so funny. So we use that in the outtakes of him just getting <laughs> so pissed off. I mean, so anyway, that was a fun experience. It was just something we put out on DVD. There so was you a did. So you did. Okay, you I did. am. It's on IMDb. It's got a yeah. one review that I can see from February two thousand four. Uh, There's reviews on Amazon. Some of them are so bad it's funny. Well, this one is, I saw this movie on the web after my boyfriend begged me to watch it, and I actually enjoyed it. Very funny film with clever dialogue and humor in some of the most bizarre places. That sounded weird. Hope to see more of these types of films. Go, Ron. So, no mention of you, but... Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, because I know, <clears throat> I know I've seen, oh, this isn't the cover I've seen, but I've seen something where I, your face is on it. You got, oh, Mary Carey's in it. Her and I didn't get along. That's before she ran for governor. Oh, and she wasn't a wasn't a woman of the people. Yeah, <laughs> before she ran for governor, like that's um, how, that's so. How yeah, you're... I got pretty. I, I did get. I, I understood that world that people at there's a company called Metro that Ron did adult films back at the time, and yeah. I met with them, and they tried to get me to direct a porn version of it. Oh wow! And all my buddies, you ever notice this? Like anybody that doesn't, that's your buddy. They all want to be have a guy that's involved with porn or yes. a friend, but they don't want to be the guy. Well, of course, nobody wants to be, but they want. They don't care about you. You do it. Yeah, well, that, I get. I understand what you're saying. I have a couple friends who worked in work. One still edits, and one wrote the movie Pirates and a couple other things. But it, the porn world is. If you think it's glamorous, one step on a set, and you're like, oh, never mind. Yeah, you see, like, craft services, <coughs> just a bunch of, like, Doritos and baby wipes. And it's and like stuff a naked a dude who just rubbed his dick for an hour, grabbing his, putting his hand in the bowl of M&Ms and, like, <laughs> just stuff like that. But, like, other than that, you know, I mean, now they're, it's like not an unsafe work environment. I'm not trying to say that porn is, is dangerous or anything like that, but I just feel like if you're really into it and you get a job in it, it will ruin it for you. And also, it's, it will ruin your career if you have any attention. Like, yeah, and you know, if you want to try to do something mainstream, well, you know, maybe less now. But I will really? tell you when I when I first got out here, um, Playboy Channel w would make these like you know what we called Skinamax things, which was just like softcore, yeah, you know, stuff. And all the people that I had met in that field, they were like, "Look, dude, we're we're poison. We our names go on this. We don't get to work in real television. We don't get to work. We will get hired." 
to make real feature films because they look at us like even yeah. though we're not making porn porn, as far as they're concerned, we've been labeled. We're like we're we're ostracized from the whole thing. And they were really scared about it. And some used fake names because they didn't want they just wanted a job, right? They wanted just wanted to be a grip. They just wanted to be an electrician. Yeah. And and they wanted to work their way up into no doing need to other get blackballed things. for just, you know, carrying some C stands. But but that was the thing. It's like your name's on that stuff. And like, ooh, I don't know. Like, you know, it's like, how yeah. could you be a location manager for a Skinamax film? You can't see the same things in our TV show. It's like, and it's so funny when you look at it, like, yeah, you can. It's all the same. Do you guys remember, it's porn related, so it's not completely off topic. When you're a kid, like, they scrambled it. Yep. Do you remember those boxes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my brother, my brother's about 15 months older than me, and it just was always like, he was more obsessed I was too, but you would just get the exact right, like a minute of like a tit. Yeah, like a be, minute? No, no minute. But like you'd say, seconds. yeah, you'd see a tit. You'd be like, what? And it was worth waiting like thirty minutes just to see that. But you could the also patience hear the we dialogue. had at that age was crazy because you would you'd sit to wait for sports scores to come up on the screen. You'd sit to wait for a tit to come through a scramble. Yeah, I know a lot of patience just so, waiting. Yeah, and my dad had these pornos we found oh, when God. I was a kid up in his closet. One of them, I'll never forget, it was called Sweet Cakes. I was probably 11. My brother was, you know, maybe 12, 13. We, we take it downstairs. We had a big kind of screen TV back. You remember those projection ones with the different light beams that would come out? Like yes, red, yeah, blue, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, like, we put it on, and it was just, like, old-school 70s porn, Harriet's Muffs. Bushes, and yeah. Yeah, and, like... But we thought it was like you see close ups and I'm eleven and it's like looks like a horror film. Like, yeah. You know oh, what man. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now even today they go so in there so far, you're like, hey, I'm not trying to get educated on anatomy. I don't need a, <laughs> an inner inner shot of someone's body. I'm just trying to watch people have sex. Are you into seventies porn at all, huh? No. I mean, I said this there's there's a place for it. Like I think I get it. I understand it, but like I think what we've what we've done with the human body in terms of trimming some of the hair has been <laughs> beneficial. I'm not necessarily into like uh, augmented surgeries, but like I do think some some friendly landscaping is. is I'm kind of weird though. I I could go either way. I'm an extreme person, so I either want you to be bald or like a sasquatch. Completely, yeah, yeah. And then I could kind of get into it because you can go either way. Maybe that's part of my problem is extremes, and I need to figure that out. You either want them to give a shit too much or not at all. Is that really what you're saying here? I think so. I, you know, it's funny you're talking about the memories. I probably have told this story a million times, but I'll, I remember the time. You know, like every friend's got, my, my parents got, you know, a stash. And they're like, let's yeah. do this. And they're like, no, no, no. And like, well, you said it, so now we're going to break it. it. Yeah, we're yeah, we're yeah. breaking in. Don't we're brag for, about it if we can't we're, get it. Yeah, we're forcing you through. And I'll never forget... He uh, he pulls the box down, which I always say this. Why is it a box? It's all in the yeah, same spot. <laughs> exactly. Every parent hid this. Like, it's like there was no hiding. Was it a shoebox? Yes, of yeah. course it was. And it was always in the same position yeah. in every household yeah. across America, right? Like it wasn't even like, oh my God. No one will take a look in here. Yeah, exactly. The shoes go in here. <laughs> so anyway, so he pulls it out. And we start going through it, and one of them was people peeing on each other. And I remember at first we were like, look at this, ha, ah, look at this. And all of a sudden, I remember one of my friends going, what are they doing? Why would they do that? And they're like, put it back, put it back. And like everyone, now it's just turned into an emergency situation because it got so far past our brain capacity. Mm -hmm. It went from just going to want to, like, seeing, wanting to see a booby, right, yeah. to 
What the fuck Why are people doing to each other? On someone else? No one's ever talked about this. Exactly. It's too much too soon. It's way too and much like, too I got, soon. I got hypersexualized too early because in first grade, this girl named Stacy Fishman, took, she had older brothers. I went over her house after school and she puts on Animal House and she's like, here's how you masturbate. And she gets, just starts like humping a pillow. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it now. <laughs> and it felt good, dude. And then we went up to her room and like, we didn't do anything, but we should just we're just humping pillows in first grade. And then I remember her parents, her mom comes up, and I'm, I realized the feeling of like this isn't kind of right. That's my phone. That's in my okay. Backpack. That's anyway, all right. Don't worry about it. Just um, ignore it. So um, I knew. Hold on, anyway. I'll pause it for a Right. Well, the timing was what it was. But anyway, so that you guys your are up there. Me. Heard you're, you yeah, your parent, yeah, well, uh, your parents. Yeah, yeah. The the A thing up there contacted. Uh, yeah. Right well, there. One time. Um, so anyway, you guys are... Hump- well, go ahead. What? No, finish. You're, so you're up in there. You said you guys were no, humping pillows. No, it's just pillow. the end of the story and is... Did the parents please tell me, did you get caught? Thinking boys are supposed to masturbate by humping pillows. Apparently, that's what girls... Maybe that's why I'm sensitive, right? Okay. Could be a correlation. Maybe. That, those early days. Good tie, good tie. And then knowing that, like, okay, this is probably isn't... Like, this is wrong to do because I felt weird going downstairs. And I remember zipping up my fly, you know, like... So I'm like, anyway, that's a lot of information, but it puts <laughs> things in the context. Here you go. Yes. So when you're aware, like, I, so I started jerking off in first grade. But, you know, when you jerk off in first grade, nothing comes out. It still feels good. Like, do you guys remember even the first time you jerked off? Like, no. you well, it wasn't first grade. I can tell you that. Yeah, that's that so was like you're really... way ahead of the curve there, yeah. Captain. Well, what but would yours be? I would say eighth grade. Uh, maybe seventh. Wait, so you already were, like, mature in a sense? When you did it, like, had well, hair. you have to remember people on no, mature se- at a different seventh level. Grade, too. I didn't have, yeah, I, 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 I wasn't. I was a late bloomer. That was another thing that fucked me up. I didn't go through puberty till like the summer of 10th grade. Imagine having no hair on your dick in like swimming class in ninth grade. This is, and, and then, this is not so like this anymore, I think, in high school. Dude. Yeah, because back then they made you take showers yes. and shit. All that, that the, what they, like, the way they forced you through yeah. the, the public shaming back you then. You will live crazy. like you're in the military. Like, why? Why and like so, so you're you basically haven't gone through puberty, and everyone else pretty much did. Certainly by tenth grade, and I and so combine the fact that I was hyper like aware of this shit early, but yeah. then it took so much longer. So I didn't even make out with this chick till I was like twenty one, and I didn't know how to. I was at Ohio State, and I remember we laid in her bed for like three or four hours, and finally she takes my hand and puts it on her boob, and then I was just like there for like ever just. And then we start kissing, and I'm like grinding my teeth into her because you know how when you first learn to kiss, you're not sure. Did you ever do that in high school? Like grind your first teeth learn to kiss? I, I didn't, but I've had girls do that yeah, to me, exactly. and I'm like, it's "What are you me. doing?" Well, you yeah, don't know what exactly. you're doing. That's the whole That's point. Like it's th- those. Know. those early I know it's not everything. supposed to hurt. <laughs> Wait, but does that happen? You mean like back, and then you remember that, right? Like girls, that happened to me out here in LA. Cater, a friend of Cater's, he went to high school with, I hooked up with. And she was like kissing me in a car, and it was just like I, I'm like maybe she's never done this before. Did it feel like you were in a fight? Kind of about yeah, fight. Like our, t- our teeth were very aggressive, right? Like yeah. very too hard. Like, well, there's aggressive you don't kissing, know. and then there's like teeth rubbing together. Yeah. Like, teeth should well, be because they don't. Because don't you don't know. I agree with you. Just don't know, yeah. and so it's like you're going through this process of like, it, and it's a long process. You really don't. It's not. I mean, because other thing is you're talking about the early year. It's it's awkward too. Like no one's gonna be yeah. like, hey, are we doing this right? No one's stopping to have. To analyze the makeout session, right? You're just, you just, it's a, it's, it's trial and error. All that shit's trial and error, and it's just so weird and like uncomfortable, you know. It just, I, the one thing I will tell you, I don't miss my youth at all. 
That all that all that stuff, I don't miss. It's I'm so still waiting for the greatest uh, time of my life, dude. <laughs> People say that, you know. I didn't. I high school. The greatest time of your life is now. Yeah, this it's is it. Now, right now, baby. Being on this right now, I think it is. I yeah. just mean like in general, right now. Yeah, no. And I then think, tomorrow, it's right then. I think for well, for me, I will say, and this is no slam to my family and growing up and stuff like that, but I honestly. Once I once I kind of woke up and realized it, I I, I think I'm currently living it with my with my family, yeah. like the, my kids and my wife. Like I I I genuinely believe that that I'm I, I'm having the, right now. Like you said, it's it's the moment. Like I'm like oh shit, yeah, it's this. And and you, you may have said it's sarcastic, but it's actually kind of true. And tomorrow it's going to be tomorrow. No, I didn't. I didn't and mean. Then, I didn't mean that sarcastically. And at ten all. years from now, it's probably going to be ten years. Like you know what I mean? Like that's how you should approach it. It's, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's the exact moment you're living in because that's all there is. Do you yeah. meditate, Huck? I do. I could tell. Like, what kind of meditation is it? Um, I just do. I try to do eight to ten minutes of just following my breath. With my eyes closed. And you're able to, like, kind of not focus on anything? Not, like, I try like, not to focus on anything. I try to let thoughts come in. You know, like, your mind is the sky. Your thoughts are the clouds. They just, you, you see them, and you just kind of let them pass by. Not really grab them. Not really try to hold on to them or do anything with it. I need to do that. I Me feel. too. I keep yeah, saying I, I'm going to do I, it. I, I highly recommend, uh, like, Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle, or Ram Das, and, like, anything that they say. Is or, this all on YouTube? Yeah, it okay. is actually. Yeah, it's pretty it much. Is. How long have you been doing it? Uh, I would say a couple of years at this point. Are you self-taught? Yeah, I mean, I I I uh, I started hearing about Eckhart Tolle and I looked into it, and then I started reading about meditation. And then this guy I worked with, Todd Barton, gave me a book called Eight Minute Meditation because I was always like, who can sit still? Because you know your mind is a fucking constant chatter. So it's like, who can sit still for ten minutes? Who's got that kind of time? And he was like, everyone. We should all we should all find that time. And he handed me this book, or maybe he didn't hand it to me, but I looked it up. I bought it. Eight minute meditations. You can meditate. It gives you things to meditate on. It tells you kind of how to go about it. So yeah, self taught, and that I read books, and that I never paid for any classes. Like Court McCowan, we had him on a long he time ago. He does transcendental uh, meditation. No, he does. Uh, it starts with a V. But it's uh, like twenty minutes a day, two times a day, and yeah. and and this is like eight to ten minutes. And it's literally just to kind of clear my head and be great. It's more about being grateful for being alive and just the exact, just being in the moment and that kind of thing. And it's it's helped me a great deal. I've tried to pass this stuff on to my wife slowly. She's kind of understanding these things, but there's an age difference between us. And I also feel like when I was her age, I was like, what? Get out of my fucking face with your meditation. I'm busy. I got a job. I'm working. I'm doing, co-. like, I, you know... But you, as you age, you start to contemplate, one, the end of what you would consider your life, you know, and then just two, what are you doing? What is the, you know, you, the point you find of being alive is being alive. There's not necessarily your, your purpose isn't any greater than sitting quietly. You know what I mean? There's nothing, we're, we're all connected, we're all one, this is a universal consciousness, and eventually you shed this form you have and you go and you become energy that is, you know, you go back into being the vibrations that you came out of to begin with. That's just a personal. Yeah, I agree with all that. Do you? Yes. Are you guys into, like, do you believe in heaven? Uh, not in the form that it is in the in the in. Yeah, the... we're not sitting on clouds playing harps with wings. That's horseshit. But like. There, I, I also, we don't subscribe to any of those books if that's what you're talking but, about. But people, when people talk about God, 
I I can understand that concept because technically God is in all of us. Does that make like there this idea that there's a heaven? No, we're not going to go sit on a cloud, like I said. But like again, you shed all this man-made shit. You move past it. You evolve into pure energy, which is. You don't need your body, you don't need your brain, you don't need all these fucking divisions and things that we've created that we think are important, that we have literally, over time, told ourselves that we need to have this, we need to have money, because we have to barter, because we have to do this, because we, we literally, man has created all of that. And man was literally from a, a rock that hit Mars, that bounced into this planet, that started life. I mean, we're all we all have Martian blood, technically. You know what I mean? The DNA. We're all from Mars. I don't know. Like, I get a little I get a little uh, off topic sometimes. But 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 for the most part, I believe that that God is this energy that is in all of us that c- kind of connects every living being. You know, and then that is what it is. It's an energy thing. Yes, like, I believe that people. I don't know what this is called. It's a common thought. I think there's a, a word or a school of thinking for this, but you create the kind of life by living in a way where um, you accept, you open yourself to the universe. It's almost like you already accept your life as the way you want it to be. And you create an energy that kind of helps manifest that. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the, the more positive you are, I mean, there have been studies on this. If you're positive and you think positively and you don't bring harm to other people and you're not jealous or bitter of anyone else's success... You open up yourself to then becoming successful and becoming a person. And even, and I say that not f- about money or fame or popularity or friends or likes on whatever, but like you open yourself up to that. You become successful in a way that you understand, which is, yeah, I'm, I'm, Brian's very successful. He can joke all he wants about like, you know, the failures of, of the industry and all the things we've done or tried to do that have, have fallen on their asses, but like, in the scheme of things, like he's happy with where he is. He's got a family he loves. He takes care of them. They take care of him. It's that's that's a success. Like I feel successful every day that I tricked some woman into marrying me who yeah, actually is someone I like to hang out with, you yeah. know? And I'm I'm very fortunate, I'm very grateful, and I feel like more if you have to you have to be willing to open yourself up in order to get that though. And it, it's a process. We are slowly as as a human race are awakening. It's it's a slow process. Very slow process. It's very yeah. slow. Yeah, it feels like though in some ways we are, but then it feels the opposite in terms of what's going on with all this energy in the world and the climate. It almost seems like part of the world is going one way and the other ones going Correct. the other, and they're getting more and more divided. But sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, and there's no. there's being in denial and there's being an acceptance. The, I mean, the, there's, there's two the division then becomes with the people who aren't waking up and that are just literally holding on and those people are the the most scared the old white men that are running the country are fearful they're they're holding on to the power and the and the and the glory that they had for ever you know what i mean like we're talking hundreds of years at this point <clears throat> and they're afraid that that's slipping away and then if we give some senator job to some minority then what that's one less white guy one thing I think we can do a better job of is putting the other people into more of a humanistic... Like, for, here's what I'm saying. When you said that, I'm thinking, 
if you're scared, okay, put yourself in this mentality. This is not my mentality, but if you believe that everyone else is getting an advantage and you're becoming a shrinking population and that you're being left behind and that you don't, you make just enough where you're not getting any assistance, but you're really not making enough to live and you see other types of people and then you see that everyone else is getting a so-called advantage over you to get jobs and things. Meanwhile, you're not, you can get caught up in that. And so I almost wish that there's a way to work on it from a way that people that have the mentality, because they're not gonna accept, what we just tell them something in their mind, it's real. Their feelings are real. The, just because we may not see it, to them it's real. Their, their feelings are real, and they're, they, you, to a certain extent, should be validated that, that there are those person's feelings, and that they are their emotions, and, and you can't really piss or shit on that kind of stuff individually, you know? I think that what, that's the beginning of an awakening, and you, you have that option of like, hey, like, it, it, like if if I was like, oh, I'm not getting enough uh, stage time because uh, you know I write these kind of jokes, and no one wants to hear these. Well, maybe I should look at the jokes I'm writing, and maybe I should try to figure out what else I can do that might make me more either uh, more legitimate or more um, uh, embraced by the community of, of stage stage time or whatever. But but at the same time, you do, you, you, as long as you're, what you're doing is positive, it will eventually... It's when you start thinking, like, oh, that person has an advantage over me, and you start worrying too much about that person and their advantage and not focusing on who you are. Then you become angry and bitter and not like, oh, look at this. I have uh, two lovely kids. I have a lovely wife. I have a great place to live. I have, you know, I, I have the ability. I can get on stage and make strangers laugh, which is... Now, how I look at my, it's what I do to give back in a sense. Like, yes, it, it, it brings in some money, but like we all know. It's a gift. Yeah, it's a gift. And, and to, to, re, to share that with people is it's a little bit selfish because it makes me feel good. You know what I mean? So I do it because I like it and it makes me feel good. But also watching, a, laughing with a room full of strangers, getting people to, to kind of be of the same mindset for even an hour, half hour, 20 minutes, whatever the fuck time you get on stage is, is pretty, pretty fantastic, you know, and, and, and worth to me worth doing regardless of the money or the fame or whatever. So that makes me happy. Now stand up makes me more happy than it's ever made me in the past. Like it, it's, it's like when I just started and I just loved getting on stage and I would get on stage anywhere. And then you start to see people that you get started getting on stage with yeah. and they're advancing and they're doing these things that you aren't able to do. And they're moving on to movie star status. Yeah. And you're like, well, wait, then you're, you, I had a period of being bitter and angry about that. And like, why is this motherfucker getting something? I should have gotten that. And you're like, at, and then the scheme, and then you think about it and you're like, well, if, if people are looking in this direction, that's mm -hmm. a start. If some guy next to me gets plucked to go do something big, what's not to say that, that their eyes are going to shift one one person over and see me and go, oh, yeah, we like you too. You never know. And all that shit is circumstantial and happenstance, and you just can't pinpoint it or even waste your time trying to understand it. Do what you love. Do it the best you can. Make Entertain people. Make them laugh. Or do something positive that you enjoy, and good things will happen. Yeah, and one point, I don't. We might be running late on time. I don't know. We should. But, yeah, we'll wrap it up. We'll soon. wrap. Yeah. But but here's what I wanted to say. We about haven't comedy. even gotten to the Gilmore Girls yet. Oh, here's what I wanted to say about comedy. The um, my opinion, just from somebody who has some experience doing stand up and loves the uh, the process and loves getting on stage. The people make this mistake, I think, when they get think about comedy, they think like the number one thing about getting on stage is being funny. But my reality is more, 
if you have something real that you want to talk about and you want to share about your life and that's and you have something to say, most of the time there's a commonality with somebody and people and audience will understand and respect that and they're pretty much with you as long as you, you have something to say and you're confident and you're in control of what's happening. So I think it's less about trying to be funny, more about trying to be who you are as a person and, and letting it come out. Honesty, honesty goes a long way on yeah. stage. <clears throat> people can sense it, people feel it, people relate to it, it makes you vulnerable, which, exactly. which people also relate to because... Everyone's a fucking hard shell, but like in the middle, we're all like, huh, I'm afraid. What if that person doesn't like me? Oh my God, what if this joke tanks? Everybody has that like inner voice. It's just the people that can squash it down or fucking evict it, or there's people that let it run their lives. And that's another thing people need to try to get over because that's, you know, I mean, I would recommend the book uh, Big Magic, which is by this, the same woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, Dan Cummins told me to read that book, and it's literally about a woman explaining how you can still live a creative life and hold down a day job and live normally and not have to be a tortured artist or not have to sink your life savings into a project. Ooh, or You know what I mean? It was a very... I mean, I, I, I kind of already was at that stage, but like that book would be very helpful for people. You know what I mean? I could see it being a, a lifesaver. Do you guys get a lot of comp people that are like... Your audience is people that want to be doing comedy? Like starting out or learn. That was not. That's not. That's not the intent no. of the audience that we were trying to reach out to. Yeah, we were trying to reach out to people outside of that circuit. So, like, if you lived in Wisconsin or Illinois or Iowa, and you were just curious as to what does everybody else do out there that's not George Clooney, kind of the you reality know, of the life. How, yeah, how yeah. Did, how, you can I, you it, can live in this town and work yeah. and be successful, but not, maybe people in the Midwest aren't like, oh yeah, I've seen all your movies. Like. Yeah. And the other thing is, too, uh, and I've been a firm believer of this since day one, and I told John this, everybody, everybody has a story to tell. You just have to ask them. Yeah. I believe it. I talk, And I'm a lot of people of, don't ask. I talk to people everywhere. When I go to a grocery store, I look at the name tag, and I go, thanks, Jim. And they, you can see when you call, and I don't know if you guys ever did, when you, t when you t address people by their name tag, it kind of... They're it not changes. Used to it. But yeah, when you not. when you add humanity to any exactly. situation, it it becomes. It's not just about me going talking to a robot, getting groceries, leaving. It's like, you know, there's a couple guys at the grocery store I go to way too talkative, but I'll chat them up. Yeah, you get take you take uh, you, you, you take it for what it's worth. Because right? I'd rather have somebody talkative and friendly than a fucking sourpuss who was like slamming my eggs in the bottom of the bag and crushing milk on top of it. Yeah, yeah. So people, for the most part, I found in life. Ex they can sense good energy. And if you approach them, no matter where you are, I've never had a person, I've never been in a fight my whole life. Isn't that weird? That's not that weird. Have you? I mean, I've been hit. Like hit? <laughs> I've been I don't know punched. if I'd call That's it a fight. fight. That's not a fight. That's been attacked. I've been, I've been in like That's an attack. grappling matches. You know what I mean? Like, I've I never. Mean, as a kid, I've punched, you know. Yeah, I'm everybody goes through that thing. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, no, I'm a good person. My yeah. face says something different, I've learned. And that's that's where I've gotten in a lot of conflict. In Brian my has a hey, what the fuck are you looking at, face? Yeah. Do you really are you combative though? With like, do you have road rage? No, I mean no. I have my. Mo I look. Everybody he has their moments. Would those moments truly define me? No, I'm a very kind and giving person. If I had to say it out loud, it sounds bad, but but <laughs> my point Humble. is that my 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 personal history has proven that I am right. But I know that I have a demeanor and I have a face that people would say that is not true. I don't believe you. And I've been at odds with that for a long time, that I have been told that if they don't know me, that they, their inter interpretation of me is abrasive, confrontational. 
a jerk, pissed. I used to I used to have that. And too. I battle with I grapple with that because it's I'm always like, really? That's not who I am. Don't trust me. I mean, I have my moments, but that's not who I am. Isn't that weird? It's yeah. not. It's it's kind of weird only because I think about that. Like I used to have that too. People go, "Oh man, I never want to talk to you because you seem so angry all the time." And like I probably was. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was probably giving off a pretty fucking pissed off vibe. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if if they were sensing that, there's probably truth to it. I know I went through a huge angry period in my life where I can't still to this day pinpoint where the anger came from, and yet I was angry and bitter and jealous and pissy. And so now you're right. When you approach people. Uh, they can sense that you're just like, hey man, I just I'm just chatting. I'm just having a good time. Like I'm there's I'm not judging you. I'm not trying to change your life. I'm not trying to force my shit on you. I'm just asking how you're doing and taking a genuine interest. Well, that's kind of like why I love to do crowd work because I don't when I go up to I don't have stock stuff, but I really want to know something about the person and mm-hmm. something about it catches my attention. Normally, if you just get in a conversation with somebody, you're interested in them. Stuff will come out of it, right? Yeah. They'll they'll feel that that you're and that's another thing when you're talking to somebody be there listening yeah do you know what I mean don't yeah. be I, I can't be looking at you and then going God when I get out of here I'm gonna eat so much fucking Taco Bell like I, I need to focus on what you're saying like mo- we we need to do that as a society like I see so much especially in Hollywood but my friend Chris made fun of this all the time my friend Chris was friends with everybody growing up and nobody didn't like him he didn't like he wasn't he never picked on anybody. And one day he brings up a guy we went to high school with who he can't stand. And I'm like, really? That's not in your character. He goes, he's always looking to talk to somebody else. And I'm like, oh, shit, you should come out to L.A. because that's like that everywhere. Like, people, I mean, you can be at the comedy store having a conversation with somebody, and you watch their eyes, and they're like, oh, fuck, is that Dave Chappelle? And, oh, fuck, is that Bob Saget? Oh, fuck. And they're just looking at everyone that's not you. And you're like, have you heard anything I've said? And, and, th- and that tends to make me not want to share anything with people like that. You know what I mean? At the same time, I have people that do focus on what I say, and I can talk to them. I'm, I'm not worried about who's hearing my voice. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, that looking around, looking for something better, that's like a metaphor for people's lives, you know? No matter where they are. And you see this. You talk to somebody who's got done two movies, and like, I can't get a fucking third movie. Oh, my God, I can't get a TV show. Oh, my God, no one's going to have me on The Tonight Show. And you're like, what? Fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird because it always people say that, too. You lose perspective, and then when you get to a certain level, it's not the level... Most people in this industry kind of think they're a fraud. Part of it is like they're like, am I going to get discovered? That, but th- that's the, a lot of people's fear. The other side of it is like still you feel like, okay, I'm o- I've only done this. Meanwhile, there's so many other people in this town that would kill to just have done that. Of course. Of course. When I used to, I used to make fun of, oh, I did live at Gotham. This is a piece of shit. And everyone's like, I'd love to yeah. be able to do a lot. And then you think, yeah. I would love to too. And when I, I haven't done Montreal and I everyone's like, Oh well don't you don't need it. And I'm like, No, I don't. You're right. I don't need it. But if I got it, I'd be able to then tell other people they didn't need it. And that's what I would rather have. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, ah, it doesn't do anything. Look at me. I did it, nothing happened. It's almost like you just want that credit, but like that's where we are as in this comedy community. It's like what, what can I bring you on stage? What can I say about you when you bring... Say I'm a nice guy that has jokes. No one wants to hear that shit. They want to know where you've been, where they might have seen you. And whenever they do that, they're like, you've seen this next guy on Comedy Central. I walk up, they go, no, you haven't. There's no fucking way you saw me on Comedy Central. I've been on both channels. Those aren't lies. Yeah, do you have guys ever... This is just uh, something that happened to me recently that pissed me off. Do you ever have co- hosts that just make up shit for you, tell them the intro, and they add a bunch of shit? Yeah, I don't like it. I just went up at this 
the the Springbok and the dude's like regular at the comedy store. I've never fucking regular at the comedy store. Like shit like that. And I should have gone off. I was about to. I should have addressed it. But that shit pisses me off. Like when people start making up well, shit. Well, I well, I'm the exact opposite. Yeah. I I as a host, I will say to you, is there something you really want me to say, or do you want me just to make some shit up, or you just want me to bring you up on stage? Like basically, I'll give it three options. Yeah. Like if you want to give me a long list of shit, I'll do it. If you want to make it up. And be silly, I'll do that. If you want me to say nothing because you don't give a shit, because I'm always like, if somebody asks me, I say, you know, just just bring me up, it's fine. Because my, my attitude is, at the end of the day, that they've already forgotten about your credits and then you come up there unless you're famous anyway, right? Like, unless they... Da- if they, if ju- they can recognize you from it, otherwise, no. So, so then some of them will say, no, 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 I need credits. And I'm like, fine, I'll give you a couple credits. But I also... But I give them to them knowing full well it's not going to make or break my thing. Sure. And then... Yeah. The last one is, like, I always said, oh, I'm like... You could fucking call me Dickface Jones, and I'm coming and on the stage. I'm still coming on the I goddamn use, stage. I use that line. I go. I, I use. I use your thing all the time. People are like, what do you want me to say? I go. Well, it really doesn't matter because whatever you say, I'm still coming. I'm up still there. coming. Like you can try to make shit up, or you can try to butcher my name, but I'm still gonna grab that mic and do my fucking. And time. that comes from one moment in Milwaukee when I first started doing comedy. I was mortified, and I learned so much from that one moment. The comic was on stage. He forgot my name. And I'm standing back there, and I'm like, well, I'm not going up there until he says my name. And he was like, he couldn't, he just couldn't fucking remember. That happens. And finally, he's like, come on up. And I was so offended, and I was so mad that that happened to me. And in hindsight, I look back on it, and I'm like, the fuck difference does it make? My job was, regardless of my name, was to get him to remember my name at the end of the fucking set because I was funny, because I was memorable, because I, I did what I was asked to do. And I'll never forget how much I let that moment impact that set. So the whole thing was fucking forgettable. I made myself forgettable, not that guy. Yeah. You know? So ever since then, I've made that joke. I've always said, What do you want me to say? I'm like, You can say whatever the fuck you want. I'm still coming up there, no matter what. Like, that's always been my mantra. It's like, You can fuck it all up, dude. Don't take it personally. I'm not going to ride you because I'm still fucking riding. Yeah, I'm it doesn't matter. Up. I'm still going to tell my jokes. The only time it really pisses me off is if I'm taping something. If, if it truly right matters. Look, and that's yeah. the thing is if it truly matters, if there's, yeah. a, if there's a cause and effect, my attitude is I've never been in a situation, if you want to yeah. know the honest truth, for me personally, I've never been in a situation where there's been a cause and effect. Yeah. So my attitude is like just say whatever. It doesn't matter. Now, I agree with you. If there's a cause and effect, then absolutely. If there's... If you say something to somebody because it's going to matter in the yeah. first joke you make or like any of those things, that all of that's fine. For me personally, there is nothing. Yeah. Right As of right now, there's nothing that's going to stop me from fucking coming up there. Nothing. Yeah. Two and bro- that's what two I Two broken that. legs. I'm still crawling up there if I have to. <laughs> so, Huck, when are you going in the room? What's your deal? Your schedule coming up here? Are you going to... Oh, you, are you your show now? Okay, I'm, so you're, no, <laughs> the you're doing promo for Hawk now. Well, the reason I'm saying this is because I'm interested in knowing about it. Like, I'm I, that's what I want to know. Oh, he'll tell you. Don't like, you worry. Uh, we well, haven't gotten to the Gilmore Girls. Whatever. What, well, I was gonna say by the time this uh, comes out, yeah. I will have been back from Jacksonville at the did the Comedy Zone down there. I'm sure that was a He's good a time. time traveler. Uh, and then I got uh, I'm headlining the DC Comedy Loft. Hang on, once I want to sneeze. Well, he's doing that. Yeah. In all seriousness, you said you didn't want to be an a, an actor, but yeah. uh, you know that was, was that a big deal to you when you like you did the Gilmore Girl stuff? What and happened stuff like that, with that or? was it was like I was this guy Joe the Pizza Guy in one episode. I came in. It was before the show started. Like it was it was the, the pilot. Fifth or, it was the fifth or sixth episode, but they hadn't run. It the, hadn't nothing run, hadn't run, aired hadn't happened yet. yet. So the show hadn't run. Um, I kind of 
had one line or two. I just made a couple people laugh. There's it was a, guy, a simple gig, basically. Well, yeah. In, initially. And, and people liked me, and they decided to have me do a couple lines here and there on different things because I was a weird, goofy character. So I think maybe I was in about 10 episodes. I That's still get some money from it. And, I mean, for you, was it? did you at the time think it was a big deal, or you really, that's no, not what you were about? Cool. I thought it was a big deal in the sense that it was great. I was making money for five years. I was a working actor. I didn't do anything else. I did commercials and some t- some shit on TV. And But I wasn't an actor. I, was a, I wasn't... So did like, you take acting classes and stuff like that? No, no. Oh, okay. and that, that was the thing. It was, but you're perfect for commercials. Yeah, commercials were cool yeah. at the time when I did that. But... Um, so I liked it just for comedy. It did, like, it's interesting you're talking about credits. I think what it is sometimes for comics, including myself, is it. Get, it's not that the audience will care, I think, but if you name a credit that just shows, okay, I've worked, in your mind, might sometimes it helps confidence level. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I don't disagree with any of that. For sure. Yeah, I just I was just telling you for my personal journey. No, I'm just I saying had, I've noticed that myself, but yeah. I don't think it should. Well, it's no, like this okay. weird thing, like where you think, okay, I I feel more confident all of a sudden, but it shouldn't matter because you're really being judged by what you do anyway. It's a weird thing in your head. Yeah, it is in your head, but that's okay because you're looking at it like a boxer's mentality, right? That the song and the build up and the coming up on stage. That there's nothing wrong with that because both a comedian and a boxer are performers. They're being called up onto the stage to do a job, right? To perform, right? To yeah. entertain. So I don't see anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. It's just I wasn't getting any juice out of it. It didn't do anything for me. It yeah. actually had the neg- it, to me it had the negative effect that if it wasn't done right, why would I let that shit get into my fucking head? Like that's the way I looked at it. I don't have anything against anybody that wants that. If it motivates you, if it builds that confidence in you that you need to do cuz remember at the end of the day, we have one job. Well, two jobs. One to make ourselves happy because that will make the audience happier right like that's really where we're going that's the headspace we're going for so if that if it works for you that way then rock and roll i don't think it, i don't see it as a bad one either way i guess what i'm saying for me i just don't i i just don't care yeah is there quick question is there how many pods are there that break down like just have comics on and it's only about the mechanics of the writing and in for, like almost my like god i hope only like studio. one somewhere i don't know we we do that kind of when we did when we have stand-ups on like we, we, yeah, we, get, we get into the process a little bit, you know what I mean? But it's more about, you know, uh, like Brian said, everyone's got a story, and it's just about kind of hearing those stories and, like, what keeps us in the entertainment industry? What keeps yeah. us coming why back? Why don't we quit? People, I mean, really, yeah. what, like, why like, don't you quit life? Like, like Ho- Hollywood I mean? Anonymous like, is, is a two, two-faced or two-sided title. Like, the joke is, between me and Brian, we have 35-plus 30, years in the entertainment industry, and nobody knows who the fuck we are. And then the other thing is, like, it's almost like Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, why can't yeah. we quit Hollywood? Why, you know? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it makes sense. And it's so have you guys had though like celeb big time celebrities too on here, or is it always people that are kind of in, in the range of what? Yeah, I think you're, had, you're going to make a great podcast host. I think you you ask really good questions. We've had, good yeah. stuff. we've had a lot of great. <laughs> we've had a lot of great guys on. We've had Louis Anderson on. We had Rob Corddry on. We've had Aaron Hayes on. These are all through Brian. These are all like Brian's friends. But like, yeah, solid, solid working actors that are um, doing good things and have taken. Different routes. Everyone's story is different. Every route yeah. is different. Every path is different. The things that you plan out when in your head when you're moving to Los Angeles, fucking chuck all that shit out a window because what happens is something completely different that you adapt yeah. and learn how to be creative in those. Do you guys have like? Um, do you? How often are fan are people at the show saying, "Hey, I like your pod"? Very never. 
Okay. Never. We don't yeah, have I don't, that many Yeah, I don't necessarily know if we have, like, I... It's this is, we're getting more yeah. as we go, but we don't have a rabid fan base. You're kind of talking about. I think that what I've noticed is for the people that have those types of fan bases, there's something very specific that drives their listeners to them and that identity. I, our identity is the fact that we we tell our stories and then we allow other people to tell stories. So it is more of a storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, journey. And I don't necessarily. And each story, each episode is so different and unique in itself. Yeah. That I don't think we're you know we're not specifically talking about one subject. Well, like and I for, think that I that well, that's some, what you were saying. So for Kate, couple quick things to wrap up with what yeah. we're doing. So for the two mic solution, our social media is at the two mic solution. Yeah, the number two. Um, you know, I'm Brian at Brian Burke with an E at the end. But what we're doing is we're going to try to get to a point where and. This, who knows if it'll ever happen or how long it'll take, but we want to do our stage act and our pod, like part of like combine that stuff on the road. We want to get, we want to have, we're going to go to Jewish organizations, Arab organizations, possibly colleges, a lot of different types of people, and we're going to try to build a fan base of people that believe in what we believe in, want to, you know, believe in the unity message, um, want, maybe want us to do the podcast on the road. But here's where it comes down to. If anyone asks me, my perspective from coming back into this industry after not doing anything for like 13 years is it's really all about you now and you have to carve your own path and yes. take the time and build your own audience over time and organically. And if you can do that, it's weird. If you reach a certain threshold, it's like amazing. But to get to that, it's like this huge hill you have to climb, right? It's a journey. You guys, the one thing, the difference between what you guys are doing and what John and I do is you guys have a very specific show, idea, and message. Yeah. And you will find that audience most likely very quickly. The only thing, only recommendation I would make to you guys is don't rule out the people that don't buy into what you're selling. Because those are the ones, Not don't go after them actively the way you need to go after the base. But I think you're going to be shocked at how many, depending on how you present this thing, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at how many people that thought they had no interest in what you guys were doing because of what you guys are doing and will show interest. It. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, beco- we'll become fans of the show. I appreciate that, Brian. And also I appreciate your, your um, friendship and your help being like open to re-communicating and you were always were like that you're really uh for people that know don't know brian i don't want to break the mold of this <laughs> abrasive dude but he's a real sensitive guy i mean dude he loves he rescues cats how fucking what kind yeah. of a dickhead can you be if you're a cat rescuer so thank you for that and um i look forward to continue like you said hopefully we can all like keen's supposed to stop over at caters i think tomorrow to see us yeah and i talked to keen on the phone recently um, I look forward to seeing him. He's a great guy. He's I a love, he's a warrior. Keen is one of those guys that just every time I see him, I get a smile on my face, yep. and I want it, what the first words out of his mouth make me laugh. To the point where there's a couple people like that where people think I'm a fucking idiot. Like every time I see Kyle Kinane, no matter what he says to me, I yeah. chuckle. He goes, "What the fuck are you laughing?" I go, "I don't know, dude. I'm just like, you know, maybe I'm high, maybe I'm a little drunk, but also maybe I fucking really enjoy you, and I just think you're you make me smile, you make he me giggle. He used to do man. my show at Luna Park back in the day in like 2000, and he was hilarious back then. When did he start? Who, you know, uh, Kyle. Kinane. Oh, Kyle, right? Yeah, I think 2000, 2001. Well, they came he out was not hilarious too, yeah. right away then, dude. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw him talk about having a job at a cake, f- like ornament factory or something. I'm like, who the fuck? This guy's awesome. Yeah. Like, he yeah. just made me Some laugh at the beginning. Some people are like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very funny dude. He's a, he's a naturally funny guy. He's a good dude. But he also has said in interviews, which I love, I love Kyle, but like, 
He's like, yeah, if I wasn't a comic, I'd be happy like at a factory job or whatever. You know, he's not like a dude who needs fame. He just enjoys it. He enjoy like he was fine taking Greyhound fucking buses onto it. Like he enjoys stand up to a to a level that he's he can craft stories and and work his act that it makes sense and that people find engaging and that people relate to and they laugh at and they laugh with and it's he's he's good at what he does. Cool. So yeah, we'll we'll be seeing you guys on, on the Two Mike Solution podcast. For don't sure. worry, we won't even really talk about that stuff that much. We'll just kind of I'm down. We'll probably talk about your own history. Always down to be educated. Yeah. Dude, I'm just glad that you're back in our universe. That's all. Yeah, That's buddy. All. I mean, I, I and I and I mean that. And I like I was excited to have you on the podcast. I think what you guys are doing, I think it was great that Aaron stopped by here today. Um I look at the end of the day, I just I just love the fact that you know you're dipping your toe back in the water. That you're that I told you already. I'm just excited that you're back in my world. Like that's yeah. just that's my selfish point of view on the whole thing. You know the rest of it. I hope it, I definitely hope it works out for you. And if it doesn't, you're I still want you always in my my orbit. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, already it, it can't not because I'm not I'm not back into comedy for fame and money and all that. Yeah. I'm back in comedy to actually try to affect individuals, even one person in a show. Um, I'm happy because the, that's what I realize when you're away from something and it's taken away and you don't do it, your perspective changes. And, and so hopefully, you know, you you seem to be in an awesome place right now with that. Like well, he just meditated your, earlier, so he's <laughs> okay. I just meditated and folk smoked a huge joint. <laughs> I'm okay. just kidding. But but, uh, but this was awesome, man. And I I will be seeing you for sure. Yeah, I'll we'll be doing it and. I love you. Yeah. And rest in peace, Brody Stevens, yeah, once again. So I know dedicated. just recently uh, his birthday just passed, his 49th birthday. I happen to have the Cubs game on at the moment that they acknowledged his birthday. Dude, they were, had signs in the bleachers. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ, dude. That he did, he did that organization cares about him. Yeah. And I will say, for me, my, my, the, that, the, the personal thing in that moment, I, don't, I can't remember if I told you or not, but I used to make CDs for Len Casper when he had a band called your indentured servants back in Milwaukee when he was just hosting a, a talk show on WTMJ AM radio in Milwaukee. And so it was a little bit surreal for me to, uh, growing up, listening to Harry Carey and, and stuff like that and watching Cubs games and to actually Len. know, to know, to know, have met and know the guy that's talking about somebody else that you have you met know. and knew um, on the Cubs thing was a little bit surreal makes for me the world, in that moment. It makes the world that much smaller. Yeah. That's when you realize that we are all connected. Yeah. There isn't really getting away from I that. don't disagree with that, dude. That's We are all connected, and that's why you're back. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming by and doing the show, dude. This was great, and uh, I hope uh, your podcast is super successful, and I look forward to coming on. Thank you, John, and thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian, and thank you, Aaron Cater. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 